detective? Thrill me. Scream! Scream for your lives! You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Oh, I know this creature of yours. When the dragon gets this old, it knows nothing but pain. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. Welcome to Al's Care Hall, gentlemen. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. So, celestial event. No words. You really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't you? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bill Van Vagel. Bill, how are you tonight? I'm doing super duper. These are one of those episodes that people always look forward to. The listeners like hearing. I like coming up with them, and I love hearing the opinion of others. And we do have lots of others. So before we get into it too far, maybe, Nathan, you can talk about our others. Sure, and I'll tell you what our episode is. Today's episode is the best horror movies of 2022. Uh, here at Phantom Galaxy, where we are the crossroads of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, we do two lists. We always do a horror movies list, and then we sort of do another more general list that includes pretty much everything else. And we will be doing that this year as well. Uh, but this is the first year, I think, where I've actually legitimately recorded and will release and uh, this episode before the end of the year. Usually it's coming out in February. Sometimes it comes out in March. But uh, we did get a, a group of people to join us tonight that I'm really excited about. So in addition to Bill, I'll go ahead and introduce them, let them uh, introduce themselves as well. So uh, first up, we have Greg Bench, who's returning from, I think the Greg, I believe, has joined us for the last two uh, best horror movies of the year. And this is always a big episode for Phantom Galaxy. It always does really well. So, uh, Greg Bench, how are you doing tonight, Greg? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Nathan, it's it's the third year in a row that I've been welcomed back for the top ten of horror. So, I'm um, I'm excited. It's been quite quite a uh, eclectic year. There's been a, a diverse... Uh, I think anybody that's a fan of any kind of subgenre... There's at least one or maybe two out there for you. Yes, I think eclectic and diverse are good ways to describe this. We'll talk a little more about that in a moment. But then we're going to bring in uh, someone who joined us last year as well and who, who joins us quite regularly on the podcast. And that is Vicious Victor Rodriguez. Victor, how are you? Hello, sirs. Doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited for this. And then uh, our final guest is new to this podcast, though you've probably heard him before. He has his own podcast, and that is Greg Bazzelli. Greg, how are you today? Hey, 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 horns up. How you guys doing? We're doing very well. We're doing great. And I think I think I joined you this year, I think, with, with Trey Whetstone. We discussed Nope on your podcast, which is Monsters in the Mosh Pit. And at the end of this episode, we'll let Greg talk tell you a little bit more about his podcast, where you can find it. And things like that. So I was going to say, Greg, before you give your lists and we go any further, did you consult Dave, your uh, co-host there, on your <laughs> list? Yeah, Dave, Dave gets told very few things, obviously, of what I do separately because his opinion doesn't matter. 
if you listen you'll to have to show, listen in know. to know what that means <laughs> he has his own hashtag sdfu dave <laughs> okay well so what we're gonna do is we will do a round robin with our top 10 and then we will also do our honorable mentions at the end and i know that uh, sometimes there's an issue where a podcast might decide okay we're not going to do ties and we're going to keep it this way so you know i do like to do ties i do have a very specific reason for that the reason is i just don't care and so uh if I want to include 14 movies, I'll include 14 movies. So be his prepared. reason is just, to, is just to piss me off. That's his I mean, that's an added bonus. So I don't know if you're going to hear <laughs> ties from anyone else. You're going to hear ties from me tonight. Uh, before we jump right in, um, I do want to just uh, give anyone an opportunity if they want to say anything specific about the year at large as far as horror movies go. I will say this. I thought um, as far as kind of bouncing back after COVID where we saw a lot of indie releases and we didn't see as many big uh, budget and theater releases. I think this year was an interesting bounce back because we saw a lot more of those. I think we saw a lot of horror in the theater. I personally actually went to the theater and saw a lot of horror. So a lot of horror movies that are, so some people might not think this is great. I personally like this. A lot of movies are really on the cusp of, is this horror? Is it not horror? Uh, where they blended a lot of genres together. And, but a lot of times either the horror would be underneath or it would be almost a sort of a whiplash where you begin as one thing and end as another. So I really enjoyed that where I felt like you didn't just have here the sort of boilerplate horror you expect. At the same time, I think we got some movies in very specific niche genres where people have wanted something like this for a long time. I think we got some of those movies too. And of course, as always, you're going to get movies that, uh, are divisive in one way or the other, but I was I was pretty impressed with the variety this year. I don't know about how I would stack it up against previous years in terms of the overall quality. I think there was a lot of quality, but I really appreciated that there seemed like there was always something out there in almost any given moment and in a lot of different venues. I feel like people were trying a lot of stuff this year. Yeah, I, I from my point of view, I thought the year started a bit slow for horror. Like the first three four months, there was one or two. But then I found that as the year built, so did the horror choices and selections that were available. So I really like, like the last third of the year, I thought really were strong. And, you know, you're scrambling to get all the ones watched that you wanted to because there were a lot that came in from October to December that were really quite strong. Uh, the other thing I found this year was the return of gore. There's at least three or four ones where gore became more prominent than it had been in probably the last couple of years before that. And as you were saying before, there is, and Greg Bench had alluded to it earlier, there are many different genres available here. Like if you like a certain style, it's it was probably one or two to your liking. If there's ones that weren't necessarily your style, but you wanted to check out, there were the ones available. And you could actually go to the movies this year, get some popcorn, bring your wife, bring your boyfriend, bring your husband, whatever, and actually enjoy it in the theater which I was really pleased with because right? I know when we did COVID, you know, a lot of times the only times you could see it was if you went to a drive-in this time you could actually go into the theater and watch, which was a nice, pleasant surprise. And uh, anyone else have any thoughts about the year before we get started? Anything you wanted to say or add to that? Yeah, I, I think uh, Bill, you mentioned on the last uh, or on uh, land of the creeps episode 301, I guess. Um, that uh, pretty much uh, just as an extension of what you just said on this show, um, yeah, the, there there have been a lot of 
indies sort of making their mark. Uh, and uh, my personal theory on that is it's an equal and opposite reaction to kind of the more homogenized family friendly horror that's been coming out of Hulu and, uh, uh, you know, um, Blumhouse. I was going to say Netflix. Yeah. Netflix too. Like, I think they're, they're, those guys are shooting for a broader audience, um, which makes sense. I mean, they're businesses. So of course they want to do as well as possible, but I think a lot of horror fans are because of that going to seek out, these uh, very inexpensively made and sort of home produced projects that are on the rise now. So uh, yeah, I totally agree with what you said, Nathan, that it it was a really interesting year in horror, probably my favorite year since 2018. So uh, I'm really glad to be talking about it tonight. Very cool. And um, anyone else have anything? Uh, No. Okay. <laughs> it, it was just I, I, I just to follow up it's it's been a, a good year um I, again a lot of a lot of diverse stuff um everything from bottom of the barrel and still finding entertainment from it for production value thank you uh, for showing up feeder three thank you very much. i know i couldn't <laughs> believe it and i <laughs> i already got my uh feeders four you know um you know, uh, Indiegogo going, so I'm excited. You know, yeah. hopefully they'll make it to Toledo this time. Um, I think, Greg, at this point, the best bet is for you just to make it yourself. Exactly. Uh, because it, I, I'll actually have hope for it. So. I was going to say, it would be a better <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was a good year, and I'm um, definitely eager to hear what everybody is going to have on their list. So I feel like mine might be the most stale, but yet Ah, no, it's not very stale. It's it's good. It's a good list. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't hold your breath. Mine's pretty stale. But this, you know, <laughs> it's okay. the, the fun thing about this year, like you guys have all said, is the eclecticness of it. Everything is kind of like bottom of the barrel, like like Greg said, to you know, multi million dollar huge productions um, from you know one of the the biggest directors right now. So just the overall scope of everything that you can go see. There's there are things that. If, if you're into gore, there's gore. If you're into sci-fi horror, it's there. If you're into comedy horror, we got the monsters. You know, there's so many different things out <clears throat> right now that it's actually possible and fun to be a horror fan again for the first time in at least the last maybe, you know, four or five years. I think COVID had put a big restriction on everybody and obviously it did, but this was a good time to get back into the theaters. This is the first time I've been able to see a lot of films in the theater where, you know, we haven't been able to do that for the last three years or so. So it's just a really fun time to be a horror fan again. Yes. And on top of that, what's also been really cool is that the theaters are bringing out older movies for retrospectives. Yes. um, You know, I got to see, Oh, four or five uh, great classic movies in the theater. And I, it was like a dream. Who, who would have ever thought that I'd see a Trick or Treat? Yeah. A movie that yeah. was shelved and then got a, a theatrical release. And then uh, De- uh, Dawn of the Dead in 3D was phenomenal. So like what uh, Buzz or Greg Mazzelli said, um, there were movies this year that just like all of a sudden just had such a, a punch to them. 
that it made me love horror that much more. It sat you down and it slapped you across the face and said, this is why you're a fan of us and we're going to deliver it. And I, I do have like two or three on my list, probably more that I have those feelings for, but it's just, I, I couldn't believe how many of those uh, giving you the, the, the retro feels those, the, the feelings of when you were a teenager and you're able to see those movies in theaters and you grab your popcorn and your pop and the next thing you know is the movie's over and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm just going to rewatch this thing if yes, I can. Yes, I have. You know, which, is the, which is the best thing. I mean, and I would I totally love seeing it in the theater again, but, you know, you know, you get to be an adult and responsibility slap you across the face, but that's okay. Yeah, well said, Greg. And so with that, I think let's go ahead and we'll get started. And Greg, you're up to bat. Uh, so let's uh, share with us your number 10. My number 10. This one, for me, flew underneath the radar. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but uh, Bill mentioned the gore factor, and this one nailed it for me. And it's called Sissy, S-I-S-S-Y. I really dug this movie, and it I had no intent to ever watch it, and it caught my eye literally a week and a half ago. And I'm like, I thought I was in Christmas zone, but I wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, it's just this, it's a, a simple story of, of uh, friendship gone awry, uh, and then they rekindle their friendship, and uh, mayhem ensues. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I recommend it. It's a good comedy horror. With a little dr drama to it, but mostly, mostly that horror. Yeah, that horror does smack you in the face in this yep. one a little bit. <laughs> um, we've reviewed this on the podcast. Uh, Bill and I both reviewed it. Um, didn't uh, I, I? One of the things I want to just quickly mention is the central performance in this really helps it, helps the tone, helps the comedy and the horror. It is a fun ride. Yep. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, yeah, I'll just say I like it. <laughs> Good. Okay, so Bill, how about your number 10? My number 10. So for everybody listening, uh, and if you're listening to me, you know that I'm on Land of the Creeps. This is my alternate list of top 10. So I'm not going to just regurgitate what I did with Dave and uh, Greg and Pearl, because you can just listen to that episode, which I highly recommend, 301. It's a wonderful episode. But uh, I'm going to do my own alternate top 10 no less quality just different so my number 10 for uh, phantom galaxy is one i literally watched this morning i'd had my top list oh, wow. ready to go whatever whatever and then i saw a list of ones of hidden gems that people hadn't hadn't necessarily seen so i found it and it's called la passagera or the passenger and it's a spanish film and it was actually out in 2021. I think it was in uh, probably the festival circuit or what have you. Uh, but it came out in, Feb in February, I think, of 2022. The synopsis is, the occupants of a van transporting a wounded excursionist have to avoid sitting next to her during the trip. So what happens is there's this guy that uh, rents out his van as kind of like an Uber driver, takes people on trips. And he picks up this daughter with his wife, with a daughter and mother and a friend. And let's just say the trip doesn't go quite as planned. Do you want it vague? I'll keep it vague. Let's just <laughs> say that there's creatures involved. 
let's just say there's harrowing circumstances involved. There's some quirky characters involved. There's a survival element involved. There is things that go on at night, which I really like night horror in a small space of a, of a, a transport van. I really enjoyed it. So I, I don't know if any of you guys have seen The Passenger or La Passagera, uh, but it is one that flew under the radar. I think IMDb has it as like a 5.2 or something. Hmm. I gave it much higher than that. And I like the fact that like many of the films this year, it mixes up genres. So uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, check out The Passenger. I will check it out. I have not seen it, but it sounds cool. I've never heard of it either, Bill, but it sounds like that. You sent me the link a little earlier, about an hour or two ago, and I had a chance to click on it, but I'm intrigued. I'll probably try to check that out, actually, after the show tonight. Yeah, I, I, it was funny. I was talking to Pearl Morgan, uh, Greg's wife, and I was saying, you know, you don't even don't worry about the subtitles. You just do it in your mother tongue. <laughs> just, <laughs> just watch it that way. Yeah. So. All righty. All right. Um, great choice, Bill. I will check that out. Victor, your number 10. Yeah. I, as for my number 10, I had Smile. Uh, it's directed by Parker Finn. It's based on a short movie that he made called Laura Can't Sleep, which is pretty good. It's worth tracking down on YouTube. Um, the synopsis, uh, after witnessing a bloody suicide, uh, Dr. Rose Cotter is cursed. Now, if you like uh, movies like um, The Ring uh, and It Follows, this pretty much follows that form, but it does a couple of interesting twists on that uh, trope, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's very neat. And anyone out there listening that is really into the type of horror where you get scared, like jump scares, creepy looking stuff, this movie's got plenty of it. And this is a really good example of a fairly big budget horror effort is one of the big studios that released. It. I forget if it was Paramount or universal, but um, they definitely put some dollars behind this. And I think the real star of the movie is the composer is Cristobal Tapia de Vere. Um, And if you, if anybody's been watching the white Lotus or uh, if anybody saw uh the girl with all the gifts a few years ago. He's the composer of those. Uh, and he is, a, has a very unusual musical palette. Uh, and I love it. So I can't wait to see this guy do more movies. And, um, there you go. Yeah, this was, a, that was a fun one. I, I'm not going to get into the plot cause I know that we want to not dwell on it, but what I did like is during the ball games when they were promoting it and the people were standing behind home plate with those freaky smiles. <laughs> that was yes, cool. that That's how they promoted it. Brilliant marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And, uh, and I feel like I'll be saying this a lot about a lot of these movies, but again, um, great, uh, lead female performance in this one by Susie Bacon, who's Kevin Bacon's daughter. I thought she, yeah. uh, yeah. this whole movie could have fallen apart even with all those other cool things. If she had not been up to the task, and I yes. think she totally was. And in fact, Victor, at the beginning of this, you said something about like homogenized horror. When I saw the trailers for this, I thought this was that homogenized horror all the way. Me I actually too. thought it was yeah. a PG-13, and I walked in the theater thinking that. And I had the AMC pass. I'm like, ah, well, and my buddy and I are like, we'll give it a shot. We did not expect, we were not prepared <laughs> for, for how uh, good it was. No, I know. It, yeah, my client, Shannon Barnes, uh, who listens to the show, recommended it. And I was like, well... I'll check it out. But I had the exact same feeling as you. I, I, I was like, oh, uh, I don't know. 
Um, but I'm glad I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. It's funny. We all have the same like concept of this. It had brilliant marketing, but unfortunately it didn't tell the story of what we were actually getting into in the first like 15 minutes really tells the story of what you're getting into. Yeah. And, uh, I'm glad they left that out of the marketing. Yeah. That's a good point. Like great marketing gets you in the seat and then you have the experience of the film. Yep. Okay. Greg, how about your number 10? Okay, my number 10 literally changed just now. Okay. <laughs> it's the passenger, it, it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was the passenger. Bill <laughs> took it from me, and now I don't know what to do with myself, <laughs> uh, even though I never heard of it. Uh, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but no, it was The Cursed, and I still feel that that's a really strong film. Uh, it was called, uh, I think it was called uh, Eight for Silver or something like that before, yeah. and the, and the um, circuit that it was on. But I'm, I'm going to switch it to Esalom. Uh, Esalom Ooh, is yeah. a, mm-hmm. a really uh, powerful film that uh, I wasn't expecting uh, when I turned it on. I, I, I really didn't know anything about it other than I had seen a couple posts in a couple different groups about saying maybe I should check it out. So I did, and I was pleasantly surprised. And I didn't, honestly, this is one of the few ones where I'm like, did I just see that? Because I'm not sure I did. And then as the movie progressed, I was like, okay, it's going there. And uh, it was a very pleasant surprise. So uh, it's spelled S-A-L-O-U-M, um, but I think it's pronounced Esalom because it's an Arabic word. So uh, check it out. I'm not going to give you any information. I want you to walk in blind. Just know that it's a quality flick. Very well made. Very beautifully shot. Um, very beautifully shot. I can tell you that much. That was very intriguing, yet left me wanting more. <laughs> yeah this oh how i do <laughs> if this um if if there's anyone either uh the host here or you're listening to the the episode this is a quality movie definitely check it out um i don't want to say anymore either because greg left it so vague so i'm gonna uh, honor that i will just say this is one of those movies that is sort of the genre mashup that we've referenced this year mm-hmm. uh but it's a genre mashup i think in a sense where it really for a sustained amount of time it is one kind of movie and if you're watching with expectations, what's nice is it becomes the movie you're looking for, and it's actually better for having the the first part there, in my opinion. You know, the 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 first genre strengthens the, the second part. So highly recommend it. It's a great film. Uh, just a good movie in general, but it's a good horror movie too. Yeah, I think I think you're, I mean, we can honestly say here that I would say the first two thirds is one genre, yep. and then the last third is horror. So. Very. And I think it's it's streaming on Shutter US. If anybody wants to, yep. take take the easy way to track it down. Okay, so my number ten movie, and it's interesting, Bill. You were saying like the year started out slow, and then you saw a lot of movies towards the end that were really strong. And I agree with that sentiment. Except for me, I saw a lot of movies at Sundance at the end of January last year because you could do it virtually and so i saw and so i saw a lot of the horror movies that ended up on my list right up front in january and then i watched them sort of pour out and and release as the year went on uh my number 10 is definitely a genre mashup if there if there ever was one and it's called something in the dirt it's uh the newest movie from uh justin benson and aaron moorhead i've loved everything that those guys have done um have varying degrees but they started out with resolution in 2012 and back then, when they were they were just beginning, we got a chance to interview them on the very first incarnation of the of the show. It was fun, but 
as they've gone on, they've kind of definitely developed a specific niche that they sort of work really well in, which is independent horror movie. That uh, also, I think somebody on one of our shows, Bill, uh, called them bro horror. <laughs> you know, where <laughs> the relationships, by and large, in their movies, with the exception of Spring, uh, which was more of a romantic horror film that the relationships deal with male plutonic relationships. Uh, usually, uh, I think in The Endless, it was a brother relationship, and it was the it was uh, Air Moorhead and Justin Benson playing the leads. And this, it's more of an in, uh, a potentially antagonistic relationship with two guys inside of an apartment in Los Angeles where something really weird is going on, and they're trying to capture it. Why I like this movie, it definitely has a lot of science fiction in it. It's a, there's a lot of suspense. I think it ultimately is horror in the same way that H.P. Lovecraft short stories are horror. Uh, the ones that, that don't even get into all of the, the really like gnarly things, but that sense of existential horror. But the thing that really caught me about this movie is the way it's put together, it kind of constantly had me guessing and second-guessing myself and, and, and listening to the conversations happening in the film and being intrigued by them, but also sort of held off by them a little bit and thinking, well, is there a way into this? But what this movie sort of develops has spoken to something that's been a an enigma to me over the past few years, which is this idea of what people consider truth and what people will allow themselves to believe. And then once they have that building block of belief, will use it to go three or four steps further to a point where they are espousing ideas and thoughts that to me would sound absolutely crazy, you know, that, that wouldn't be something that would even be acceptable, but somehow they found their way to this point. And uh, people from all different walks and areas of life, uh, and, and regardless of political views and things like this, but just what people will allow themselves to consume and then believe. I think this movie, I'm a huge fan of The X-Files. You guys know that. We have the show going, and, and Victor joins uh, that, that show. Something in the Dirt captures, in my mind, the ethos of The X-Files and takes it further and sets it in a world that really is the world we live in right now and takes it a step further. So... The horror here is definitely of the existential variety to a degree. There are paranormal instances of things happening, but I just want to leave it for everyone to sort of experience for themselves. It's definitely not uh, as visceral as you may be expecting, but it was very thought-provoking for me. It gave me a lot of stuff to chew on. It was haunting a lot of the ideas and the images and scenes in this film. Stuck with me for a very long time. It's, it's honestly, next to The Endless, it's one of my favorite movies that they've done so far. Yeah, it was an interesting film. It just missed my list. And I love Moorhead and Benson as well. I love their previous films. I've gone on about them many a time. This one just missed because uh, the only reason is I found there were moments in the film where it seemed to drag a bit. Uh, they got, the guy got caught up in the science a bit. Uh, more the, Well, n not really the science. Just the one character is really existential with the science and he would go on on a tangent. But otherwise, I, I, I like the free flow. I mean, it's very obviously a COVID film where there's literally two characters in like a single location kind of deal. But it, it's an interesting film. Not a pure and pure out horror, but it kind of in the realm of horror. It does have some paranormal elements to it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch for anybody that uh, is familiar with their filmmaking. Okay, Greg Bench, you are number nine. My number nine. Was uh, well as as it's been described a uh, a uh, multiple genre and that is Watcher. Um, it's a uh, it's a good. Uh, I don't know if you want to use the 
Hitchcockian kind of a, a link, but uh, definitely has that rear window kind of a feel. And um, yeah, I, I, there's not much for me to say about Watcher. Uh, uh, just check it out; it's it's worthwhile. I'm always I've I've been a fan of uh, I'm going to massacre her name, uh, Micaiah Monroe. Um, ever since It Follows, she's just been a stellar actress. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I just really uh, thought this was good. It was dark and a worthwhile one to see at the at the movie theater. So, all the feels. I I think uh, someone said earlier about like taking. I think it was Bill said about taking your wife and stuff. This is one I actually watched with my wife, who's not a big horror fan, but she knows my love of Rear Window. Rear Window being in my my top five favorite movies of all time. Uh, not just horror, just movies of all time. So we watched this one together, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's uh, tense. It's got some some definitely the whodunit type feel moments to it um, and great cinematography. Again, uh, that's twice I've said cinematography already and we're only on number nine, but it, it's true. This one's a, a gorgeous movie to watch. It makes you feel cold in the right places. Yeah. Visually speaking, this one was awesome. And I is another one I saw at Sundance, but I saw it just my wife and I watched it on the, the television in the room, you know, through streaming and that cinematography and that ambiance of this movie and that loneliness of that city and everything and the creepiness of those big windows, that affected me so much watching it in that form that when it finally came to the theater, I think later that summer, I went and watched it again. I mean, it is, it's really good in, in, for those respects. Alrighty, I'll take my number nine as a cue. Oh, my last one, I forgot to sing Iggy Pops, The Passing. I wouldn't say you forgot, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear, and I ride, and I ride, and I ride. No, uh, my number nine is one that we actually reviewed on this episode, or this episode, this podcast, oh, six months ago. And it was one that stuck with me, because it was more thriller slash horror, but it was gritty, and that is Shut In. With uh, Rainey Qualley, Jake Horowitz, and an actor that you will know very well, Vincent Gallo, about a woman who, let's just say, is trying to get out of a certain situation in her living circumstances, and her ex makes her end up in the uh, pantry, and she's barricaded inside the pantry, and she has a young child that's outside, and an even younger child that's outside. And it's her inability to get out to help them over a prolonged period of time that makes this one of those. Anybody who's a parent is going to pull the heartstrings. Even if you're not a parent, you're going to obviously feel the situation that Rainey is in. And it's just a good old-fashioned thriller that will scare the bejeebas out of you. And you're just kind of pulling for her to make it through. And I'm not going to say what happens more. Has anybody else seen this film? No, no, no. Sounds cool. I have. It's it's a tense movie, um, and like you said, it pulls at the heartstrings of a parent for sure. Yeah, I saw this one too. I think when you recommended it, Bill, and it um, the the tension, yeah, was a little hard to take in places because because of that scenario. Yeah. Alrighty, so I guess we're going to Victor. What do you got there, Vic? Hey, um, for number nine, I had Orphan First kill now um i know the orphan movies are a little bit 
on the cheesy side, um, which is unusual for me to put it on a list, but um, I really enjoyed both movies. Uh, so First Kill is a prequel. And um, in case you're not familiar with the Orphan franchise, uh, a clever orphan uh, gets to gets adopted and gets to America. And then she has to contend with members of the family uh, who don't appreciate her schemes. <laughs> and in this case, um, there are several members of the family that uh, want her out and uh, they go to blows. But uh, yeah, it's directed by William Brent Bell and it stars Julia Stiles in a really great performance, I think. And um, Isabel Furman as the orphan. But uh, yeah, recommend it. Number nine. Yeah, I wasn't sure where you could possibly go with that movie after the first one. <laughs> yeah. But to the credit that they find new and crazy things to do with it. And I actually think I like this one better than the first one, I think, uh, as an yeah, overall film. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always hard to be first, I think, yeah. to, to kind of, you know, put a new idea out there, especially, I, again, I think it's a major a major distributor that released this, which is nice. Um, but, um, yeah, it, uh, it can be done and uh, it, uh, it can be improved upon. And that's what every good sequel should be. Yeah, agreed. Greg Mazzell, oh, your cool. number nine. Oh, my turn. Uh, so this one is uh, a Hulu release and uh, has a lot to do with my love of Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Not ashamed to say that. Uh, <laughs> this movie is fresh. A fun take on dating in the current uh the current climate, I guess we'll say uh, a little bit of uh, silence of the lamb feels. Yeah. I like fresh. Fresh is a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say, Greg, I love that film. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's just so good. <laughs> and, and you know what, why I like it is we saw a couple films this year involving partners or hooking up or trying to, you know, find their love mates, what have you. And this one makes that right hand turn about halfway through. And I'm not going to go any further. I want the audience to watch it if they haven't. But let's just say anybody that, you know, has ever had to deal with dating apps or trying to find their partner or maybe we're doing it before, you know, technology got involved and you met that special someone, you know, looking at uh, fruit in the, in the uh, grocery store. <laughs> this one will uh, make you squirm a little. I'll just say that. <laughs> it'll, wake, it'll wake you up a little bit. And again, you yeah. get Sebastian Stan and uh, Daisy, Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, which is a great cast. Yeah. And you've got to love that a movie like this, that some of the most uncomfortable, squeamish stuff isn't just the horror stuff we eventually get to. It's the dating stuff early on where you're just watching <laughs> yeah. some of these these dates. But, you know, we talk about movies being, particularly some of the horror movies this year, being tonal shifts, right? That the movie's doing one thing and it becomes something else. The cool thing about Fresh is there's ne that while there are changes in the plot, the, there's no tonal shift it stays chipper and cheerful <laughs> as it yeah. moves into the next phase which i think is one of those fascinating things about it is the tone of the film and even some of the relationship elements don't actually change you know they change but they it's just a morph from where it was and i think that's a very fascinating thing for this movie to do 
Yeah, I think you can say. Yeah, I was going to say you can say it was creepy the whole time. Yeah. I was going to say delightfully disturbing. Yeah. Like yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's good. That works. Yeah. Good. Good choice, uh, Greg. So my number nine is a yet another movie that I actually saw at uh, at Sundance, and it kind of took me by surprise. It was also based off a short film, not unlike Smile. Uh, the, the title of the short film is the same as this movie, but I did not know that when I saw it, and this film is called Piggy. Uh, it's been released more recently, I think, in, in theaters, and it is available on streaming, but I was really surprised by how much I got into this film. Sometimes movies that the the poster art promised me something very visceral, and sometimes uh, a certain kind of gory visceral is not always my bag. Uh, a movie that might be a little on the edgier side, but the basic con- uh, concept of the film drew me in. Uh, it deals with bullying and a, a bully teenager who is put into a situation where she has, uh, you know, initially some potential uh, influence in what may happen to the people that have been bullying her. I don't want to say more, but it does, it, it veers pretty hard into horror as the film continues. Uh, what really makes us, again, the, the lead performance here even more so than the movies we've talked about, Lara Glenn as this uh, overweight teenage girl at the heart of the film, she's amazing in the movie. And I know a lot of times people will see a performance like this and say, oh, what a fearless performance. And a lot of times when they say that about an overweight actor or actress, they're saying it because that person may get undressed, you know? And that's that's not has nothing to do with why I think this performance is sort of bold and fearless on her part. Uh, but it's an intense movie, but it... it it conjures a lot of different emotions. I think there's a lot of drama here. There's some visceral horror. There's even some very, very dark comedy involved in this. But the cinematography and the direction come together to give you this movie that I think is a pretty much like a punch to the gut, as far as I was concerned. Uh, and I, I loved it. This is not typically my kind of movie. But I think um, Carlotta Peretta, she took the film, the short film, and turned it into something that was... Uh, had depth and a little bit more impact than it did in the in the short form. Although in the short form, it was a great little, uh, uh, a great dark little piece. But this this is something more. Yeah, I really like the film. My only bone of contention is I had it as a non horror film. I, again, one of those a non horror. This one is a non horror film. Yes, I put this as non horror. Oh my gosh, Bill! <laughs> because I found it was uh, up until the last ten minutes. It was just a oh, non horror. We're gonna have to have a talk about yeah. that. No, that's crazy. I put it, I put it, it'll show up on my non horror list. No doubt. <laughs> and, and I know the ending is a bit. You know, I'll, I won't go any any more than that. But a really good, really great story. A uh, really good setup. You, you you empathize with the character, or do you? And there's some moral decisions that are made in this film. So mm-hmm. yeah, go out and see it. You know how you always have one film that like you feel like you should have gotten in before the year's over and this is that film for me. This is this is my um, my ashamed moment. I'm going to bear it out to you. Uh, this has been on my watch list since Nathan and I talked about it uh, probably 10 months ago. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think we were talking about it when I saw it uh, via Sundance. I think we were having a discussion. Yeah. I was like, "Guess what I just watched?" Yeah. Exactly. And I, I watched the short that day. Remember, yes, I, I texted yeah. you and I said, go on YouTube and watch the short. It's really good. And I missed it this year. And that so short like, is the way this works a little different than Smile. That short is literally, I think, more or less the first 10 minutes of the film. 
And so the film is the expansion of what happens after that. So, well, now you have a great movie to look forward to, Craig. So, <laughs> all right, Mr. Bench, your number eight movie. My number eight. And just uh, for, for the other Greg, don't feel bad because it's been on my list for probably 10 months. And I, too, glanced over it. Well, so and, now I feel like a fool. And to be fair, though, guys, it really was only released and it kind of had a very like soft under the radar release into streaming like just like what in mid-november or something it, it hasn't been out well, for very long feel a little bit yeah better it wasn't available <laughs> for most of us up until just recently so so i i have a feeling i i think i have some answers for this one but i think bill is going to uh, appreciate this one and i also f- think uh, uh greg bazilli is gonna like this one because i uh for number eight i have hellbender Ooh. uh such a cool movie it's uh it was actually made by a family starring the family, uh, the mother, daughter, daughter, and the, and the father slash husband. Um, they made this movie during the, the, the Rona. And, uh, it's a, I, I don't know. It's just a, uh, uh, bare bones folk horror. Uh, we're a teen similar to like teen wolf. I, if I will, I'm not comparing the two, but just learning that, she's a, a, a witch and what to do with it and then uh has to confront the parent about it so um and it has some killer killer music which i'm not i, I don't know enough about but i really dug um their little band that they had so hellbender yeah i liked it also yeah i mean who wouldn't want to come upon uh, a swimming pool in the middle of the forest This is a wonderful movie, and for all the reasons that you just said, Greg, and I love that aspect of you've got all the witch stuff, and then you have their like garage band bit that's just as cool as the rest of it. Yeah, it's so much so that this is also my number eight. So, spoiler alert! I'm just going to go out and say it now. Uh, My number eight is Hellbender as well, and uh, Greg is spot on. It it's it's the the coming of age story of this young uh, woman. That's like finding herself in these new powers and how to adapt to them. And then the mother coming to grips with the fact that she's getting older and uh, as her, does she pass her power on to, to the child? And there's so much going on, but there's not a lot going on at the same time. It's very um, claustrophobic in a sense, even though that's in these beautifully shot uh, wooded areas it's still claustrophobic because it's just those characters for the most part. Uh, and their band is badass. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you, if you listen to my show, we, we talk about heavy metal all the time. These two women would, I will put them on stage with the best of the best. They are amazing. Hellbender. Great pick, Greg. Well, great pick, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also it's it's it has some great psychedelic imagery at some key oh, yes. moments yes. as well. So they, they they scored on that front too. And the way they weave that to your point, um, Greg Bazelli, the way they weave that element of the the mother and the daughter and the two perspectives together, and you kind of get the tensions between the two of them. I thought that was done really wonderfully without sort of going too far or pushing and making it sort of like uh saccharine or even like uh too clunky you know story-wise it just melds together very very well it feels very natural and organic which makes the horror feel organic of 2022 releases this is the movie that i've watched the most 
over and over again. They have seen it like six times this year. Perfect. All righty. So I'll jump on my next one. My number, what number are we at? Number eight. eight. Number eight. Is one that we reviewed not that long ago, Nathan. And it's going to be a bit divisive because it can be annoying to some people. But I thought it was strong enough to put it on the list. And that's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is one that kind of is from the perspective of Gen X and social media and a party at a house that kind of goes awry. And what you think the movie's going to start as is not how it finishes. And there's a nice twist on the end. Uh, There's some dialogue between various characters and allegiances kind of come up. And... You know what, is it going to be one that you're going to probably run out and rush to see? Probably not. But is it one that when you watch it, you're not going to forget it? You're going to probably stick in your head for a week or two? It did for me. So Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is one I say, go out and see and make up your own mind whether I'm full of baloney or whether it's worth watching. Cool. Did anybody else see it? Other than I know Nathan did. Anybody else see it? Yeah, (laughs) I saw it uh, and I just, I don't know. Not to, not not cutting on it, but it, I just felt like I was a little old for the movie. I guess I just some of the Gen X or not Gen X, but uh, whatever the new millennium, <laughs> those yeah. kids. It, yeah, it's I see where they were going with, but then I'm like, yeah, that was that was just me. That was just well, me, well, yeah. when I reviewed it originally, I said, Greg. I said for the first time in a long time, I felt too old. <laughs> <laughs> to be watching this, but at the same time, the kids are only in their twenties. It's not like it's a teenage flick, sure. but I still felt old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did like the twist at the end. I really did like it. Yeah, there's a lot of things that that movie's going for. One of the tricky tightrope walks is it absolutely wants to focus in on the most like irritating and frustrating people imaginable, <laughs> and that that can work sometimes. And sometimes when it works, it just makes it even more irritating. <laughs> <laughs> but I ultimately, I did enjoy it too. Um, Victor, you're number eight. Yes, sir. Well, I got benched. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number eight was Watcher. And uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. And uh, I guess the only other thing I wanted to add was just the, like with regard to the premise, um, if if you're, especially if it's, if it's moving to a foreign country, if, um, if you're part of a, uh, a partnership and your partner is the one that's doing all the work there, there is a sort of an existential uh, crisis that the other person feels, which is in the lap of the young woman who's the star or the protagonist of this movie, uh, where she essentially is losing her identity. Um, and so for most of the movie, you're going, well, you know, the stars are lined up, you know, is this thing really happening or is she imagining it? Either one is totally acceptable. And I loved that they kept me on that razor's edge for so long in the movie. And I really wanted to find out. So, yeah, I love it too. So recommended. That, that's a good point, Victor. You're right that that movie is holds its cards very close to the to its chest, and it also gives you lots of reasons why this movie could continue, even for either option. You know, yeah. lots of times you yeah. get that idea, well, they couldn't possibly do that because they won't be able to deliver, and you're like, no, this, this plots out two potential paths pretty clearly. 
Yep. Okay, and Greg, you yours was uh, Hellbender as well. So my number eight, to go back to what Bill was just sort of talking about in regards to, uh, we were all talking about in regards to characters sort of, uh, hey, I am clearly not in the audience or I'm a little too old for this. I uh, I saw this movie. I was astonished actually when I first watched it that it wasn't um, the hot garbage that I expected. And this is the movie I've probably seen more times than any other movie this year. And part of that is down to my children, but we'll get into that. Uh, but it, it took me back to memories of when the Blair Witch Project came out in 99. And I was uh, of the age of those characters. And so they, it had a different effect on me. But I remember, and this wasn't probably talked about as much as time, but I remember when my parents and other people saw this movie. And it, it was that, who cares? It's a bunch of uh, kids cursing in the middle of the woods, you know? There was this this dismissal, but also this weird sort of fear when I think uh, adults watching that film see how, that you know, here's the next generation, and they're literally lost in the woods, but they're also sort of metaphorically lost in the woods. And I think it was very disarming for some people considering themselves adults to see this and think, wow, this is what we have? You know, this is a, this is a generation I don't really connect with seeing this and so i didn't have that experience when i saw blair witch but i started to have that experience watching the movie that's number eight and I, it, it is number eight because i think that the director of the film kind of gets this idea of the disconnect that will always happen when one generation looks at the not just the uh, technologies but the habits and the behaviors of a certain generation and there's so many different things going on now that even those of us who thought we were savvy in 1999 are may no longer be so. Uh, this is Deadstream 2022. It's directed by Joseph Winter and Vanessa Winter, husband and wife team. And it's a movie that's got a protagonist in it that I almost don't even want to call him the protagonist because <laughs> he grates on me initially so much. And yet uh, he represents a kind of entertainment that my kids eat up, which is a sort of YouTube uh generation of people sort of putting them to themselves and others sometimes through a variety of geek shows that goes even beyond the jackass variant and into something that is a constant performance art 24 7 your life becomes performance art essentially and there are lots of people on youtube that my kids watch that would be indecipherable from where this guy starts you know he's got the baby moses challenge where some strapped him into like a you know, into a raft and pushed him down a river <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. But this character is vapid. He's uh, He seems like an empty vessel, but he also never stops talking. And the movie is presented through the perspective of this is on his feed. He's a live feed. He's going to go to a haunted house. And this movie combines so many different genres and tones that I was surprised. I mean, this is sort of a weird mix of you've got, uh, like I said, the Blair Witch Project, the found footage horror You've got uh, some Sam Raimi Evil Dead makes its way in here. And then the third part is sort of, it's got a little bit of the ghost and Mr. Chicken going on. <laughs> like the old Don Lotz movie, which is the charming part, which is kind of why I ultimately love this. This is a horror comedy. I think you're laughing at this character and what happens to him as much as you're, if you're ever laughing with him. Although I did chuckle at the line, Red Rover, Red Rover, send dead babies right over. But the, I really got into this movie, and my kids, I was able to watch this with my kids. I, this is, a, you know, there's some violence and stuff in it, but I think it's on the lower end of things. And the character can't curse because he's afraid he's going to get demonetized if he does. So he spends a lot of time making up random, random phrases to fit in there. 
But this was really fun. This this kind of, as it went on, as I saw it a few more times and a few more times, I think it's a really fun ride. It is kind of a roller coaster, but it isn't extreme, you know, gore, extreme scares. But what it's what it's about, and what it in this in this uh, this generation or this particular sort of uh, subset that it's examining, I think it's doing it in a very canny way. It says something about this YouTube generation underneath all the stuff that's going on in a way that I think is compelling, and in a way that other movies didn't, where they would introduce me to an irritating protagonist and I just couldn't get beyond it. Ultimately, I got beyond it here, and I really, I really love this movie. I couldn't quite explain why, but it's a, I love it. Yeah, it seemed like somebody that my daughter, who's seven, would watch <laughs> on like YouTube or something. Now, not to that level or whatever, but he he was silly. But there are a few twists and turns along the way uh, in that film, and especially towards the end. And, and I'm going to leave it vague because I want people to watch it. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting film. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Yes, sir. Really enjoyed that one. Deadstream was a surprise. Greg Bench, your number seven. Yes, it is. Uh, this was another treat uh, that I got to see in theaters, and it uh, was a spur of the moment kind of a decision. Got a message from a friend, and uh, they were going and had a small group. And who can pass up any kind of a holiday movie when you see it in theaters? Uh, and especially with uh, Joe Begos as being the director. I'm talking about that saccharine-filled Christmas, bloody Christmas. <laughs> you saw this in uh, the theater, Greg. I did. That's I cool. saw it in the theater, and it it's one of those movies that I mentioned earlier that just makes you feel like you're glad to be a fan of what's being presented. Um, not to go long on it, but I will say there is a key moment in the movie uh, where some tension is being fulfilled. And then uh, the uh, the the bad Santa is uh, creating mayhem, and this is kind of being juxta juxtaposed against each other with some deep music. And if you know the scene, you'll definitely know what I'm talking about. You could about. say tension was being relieved in that scene. Greg. Relieved, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, relieved, yeah, relieved. A, a, an older couple decided that the movie was too much for them, and they were trying to make a quiet exit, but it was not not so quiet. And, you know, there was a, a small number of people, maybe about 15. But, of course, you just couldn't but notice these people because they were all the way in the top, and they couldn't get down the stairs quietly or quickly. So <laughs> it kind of just put a smile on our face that it was so disturbing for them. that, And it's not, but, I mean... I, I can understand that they may not have liked what was being presented, and I just it, it it's a riot. It's a it's a roller coaster, and it's fast paced, and it's and it's great. And the dialogue that was going on, I can honestly say I've had I, I kind of miss some of that dialogue with friends. You know, being out late and you're talking about you know what movie's the best, and you know somebody always has to throw in some oddball movie and you're like, what? There's no way you like that one over this one. And then they, they defend their position. And, you know, so it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking a lot longer than I should, but yeah, Christmas, bloody Christmas was, was quite the uh, pleasant ride and surprise. And just, uh, if you will, it'll, it'll kind of 
give more argument for those that think that the Terminator's a slasher. So, you know, <laughs> I, it's not in my camp, but I'm just saying, after you see that, you start scratching your head. So, but yeah, well, that's Greg, my number seven. I was going to say, Greg, you don't have to sell me. I, I bloody well love the film. <laughs> well, you were talking about gore, and baby, that one yep. brought it. <laughs> I, I didn't mind the chatter. I love the color palettes that were used. I like the music. Uh, I didn't mind the chatter back and forth. And it's just go, go, go. 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. The pace is right on. And uh, there's some, you know, it's it's an old style 80s film. There's oh, yeah. blood. There's things blowing up and there's people dying. And, <laughs> and let's see who survives till the end. And, and and that's what you got. And I loved it. Absolutely adored it. Abraham Ben Ruby is that Santa was super imposing. <laughs> oh, yes. Did you guys ever see the movie Crank? Yes. Yeah. Yep. This this was the horror Christmas version of Crank, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I can totally see that, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> the, but the color, I agree with you guys. The colors are beautiful. The, the yeah. soundtrack was a lot of fun. Obviously, for me, you know, being a metalhead, <laughs> the, the soundtrack was great, so... Uh, scene in Crank where he forces a guy to defibrillate him is <laughs> one of the best scenes ever filmed. It's just so great. All right, Bill, your number seven. My number seven, and I know Mr. Bizelli will definitely appreciate this one. This is one that was a lot of fun. I had zero expectations, just walk in basically blind and see what it's going to be. Is it cinematically perfect? No, but it's a heck of a good time. It's Studio 666. (laughs) And it's essentially the Foo Fighters in a haunted house, and stuff happens. You get some paranormal things. You get some band dynamic things. It's kind of like when the band did their album, the the song from the Big Pink, and they went in this big house in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, they needed the perfect soundscape for it. Well, that's what these guys do in L.A., and they find this house – and stuff in the basement isn't what it's supposed to be. Things are floating around. Dave Grohl kind of gets possessed and it becomes like the obsessive uh, diva of the band who's putting this killer song together that's going to be like a 25-minute, 2112 epic, and he can't get the thing right. And you got these quirky neighbors, and you got these really uh, cameos from certain other musicians show up, and uh, certain other directors show up, and it's just a blast. Are you going to get The Exorcist? No. But are you going to end up smiling at the end and saying that was a good experience? I think absolutely. Hmm. Take a little closer to Repossessed than The Exorcist. Well, well whatever. <laughs> or are you talking the, the Leslie? Yeah, Nielsen? yeah, I'm just kidding. It's it's way better than that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, come no, on, Nathan, no. give us some credit here. <laughs> no, I like Studio 666. It was fun. Yeah, of course you know I liked it. I mean, come on, what's what's better? It had some killer, uh, killer in quotations cameos. You have Whitney <laughs> Cummings as the uh, as the neighbor. She was hilarious. Yeah, th- there's a dream sequence involving icons of the industry. Well, the fact that Lionel Richie shows up, okay, subplot. <laughs> yeah, not only does he show up, but what he says yes. is what makes the whole cameo. <laughs> it's, just, uh, so I, it's a it's a fun movie. If you, I, I this think is it a makes popcorn movie. It makes Rob Halford sound like a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, Victor, what do you got next, buddy? Yes, sir. Um, number seven, I had Moloch, which is uh, 
premises a family on the edge of a bog is attacked. Um, yeah, this is a, a Netherlands movie. It's half in Dutch and half in English. And, uh, and you can't forget, Dutch is much. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I've heard that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it, definitely in the folk horror genre. Uh, subgenre, I, sh- I should say. Um, but um, psychologically, uh, well, fr- first of all, I-, I thought it was really cool the way they kind of ratchet up the tension. It's a discovery narrative where there's a group of scientists uh, working on a dig at the bog, and then there's the family, and the key protagonist is trying to put together little details from the archaeological crew and details from what the uh, you know the older members of the family tell her. Uh, to figure out what's going on. And um, it really, um, psychologically, I thought it was really clever because, um, you know, like from the Jungian perspective, uh, the bog is sort of, since it's the unknown and it's sort of this expansive space, it's a great uh, sort of a reflection of the collective unconscious. And that's exactly what the horror is about in the movie. So everything serves the same purpose in the movie, even though they seem to be disjointed things. So I found it a little more powerful than, than maybe uh, I, I found it at the beginning of the movie. Like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but you know, is that all there is? And then it's like, oh no, it's actually pretty deep. Uh, so anyway, really liked it. Um, I thought it succeeded on every level. Great sound design, great score. Um, yeah, I, I think on I, I gave it an eight. It's the first uh, first film on my list that got an eight or above, and I gave it an eight. Yeah, this is an interesting film. It's it, it, again, it's one of the ones from this year that doesn't really fit into any neat little box. Yeah, it, you know, I my only uh, thing with them is I wish they gave me a bit more of the backstory to what concerned the bog. Yeah. But other than that, it's a it's a mood piece. You know, you got to be in a certain kind of mood. If you're looking for a terrifier, you ain't getting it in this. Right. But if you're looking for a kind of a good backstory, folkish horror with, you know, some uh, history to it, etc., it's a good film. Yeah, it's more more creepy than scary. Yeah. 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 I think Bill has hit the nail on the head, though. I would love more backstory of the bog, and I want Robert Eggers to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah that's an interesting thing i really like moloch too and i think i think that the film itself doesn't necessarily need the extra backstory but there are a lot of movies this year that with just a couple shots or a couple th- uh, ideas would give you this perfect opening you know so many times we see well we're gonna make the prequel or we're gonna make the story that explains this half the time i don't even want to see those movies but in the in this case i do but i think more of the bog might have like might have imbalance the movie we get you know that some of the building atmosphere and the building dread and the sort of you know the full car is a little bit of the existential horror there if we got a lot of the bog depending on where you you provided that it might you know it might uh sink no pun intended this movie (laughs) all righty uh mr bazelli what do you got there bud this is either going to be the lowest on somebody's list or you guys aren't even going to have it on your list. So <laughs> we're going to put it that way. Uh, it's either going to be super high or non-existent. So uh, this is uh, in 1918, a young woman on the brink of madness. 
I think you guys can probably tell if you're a fan of Ty West, this is Pearl. This is uh, the prequel to X. Uh, I, I If Mia Goth is overlooked, which I'm sure she will be uh, by the Academy, I think that's uh, a huge oversight. She plays a diabolical maniac in this film. <laughs> Uh, that is so understated and so muted that like I'm six foot two, two seventy five, and I'm afraid of this little frail woman. Okay, like that's how like diabolical like her eyes are, and the ending shot of this film will stay with you. <laughs> all it'll stay with you. Yeah, yeah, it's a good film. I love a good historical horror. I don't think there's enough good ones that go back into history. And this one does. The thing with Pearl is it takes a while to build to get to the horror per se. Cause you watch the first half hour and you'll say, well, where's it coming? Where's it coming? Oh, it comes. <laughs> you just have to wait for it. But uh, yeah, talk about um, someone I don't want to date. Let's just say that. <laughs> I was it's like, I want to date her, but I don't. I was really worried about it coming when the scarecrow was out. I'm just saying. But anyway. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you mentioned, oh, there's a play on words on there. Anyone's list I want to it. It's right here on my list about. at number, number uh, what are we on? Number seven. And uh, not only that, but a twist. It's a tie with X. So oh, yeah. I have both movies here. They're very different, I think, in tone, obviously. Uh, Mia Goth is great in both of them. I think she's stronger in Pearl, but that's because Pearl is more focused upon her. But I will say this. I love Pearl, and I love X. I think I've seen X more times. I think X is more, it was exactly what I was expecting. Pearl takes some detours, a good detours, and uh, is maybe ultimately more the kind of movie people would expect I would like. You know, it's a little bit more art house. It takes some weird risks towards the end that are they're very strange and sort of out of left field but i did after seeing pearl have to ask myself was it stronger or did it work better having seen x or are they kind of unrelated and i actually think that the two movies ty west has done a really neat thing here and yes there's a third movie coming in 2023 but he's made these two movies that complement each other in different ways that are sort of two halves of the same whole they don't watching them isn't necessarily going to answer anything really uh, mind-bending between either movie but thematically and structurally i think they do inform each other in a way that does improve both of them and i think having seen x and then being able to see pearl and even just the great aspect of having the pearl trailer at the end of x when you're watching this indie horror film and then suddenly we haven't seen ty west well boom not only does he give you this movie you get that trailer at the end that in that enhances the initial experience of x as well but I love Ty West. I was a big fan of House of the Devil. I was a big fan of um, The Innkeepers and and many of the other movies too, like uh, Sacrament. But you know, I haven't seen him for a while, and it was what I think he's done here is he's really sort of taken all that atmosphere and all that uh, gestating dread that he already did well, and he's married them to movies that feel more like movies. I think some of the early Ty West stuff felt like uh, almost like. This is like a set piece, you know, that this whole movie is almost like a uh, an art installation as a film, you know, that it's a, it's all about atmosphere and mood, being in that hotel room or in that hotel, the Yankee Peddler, or being inside that house and house of the devil, you know. There's set pieces that run for like 90 minutes. Uh, but here, I think he took all of the, the, the bag of tricks that you'd want in a movie and these two different time periods, and he just did it 
in a stunning way. I was impressed so much with both of them, and I, I think that they actually do make a good uh, complement each other. I, I like the fact that you you can watch them individually and still enjoy the films just as much as if you're watching them as a, a group. Um, and the fact that you have you know the, the different styles, even though again same director, a, a lot of the same cast as far especially the stars, but you have the Gone with the Wind look and the Technicolor of Pearl, and then you have the grit and the non-grandiose of, of X. It's just a fun play on, on both of them. Yeah. It's very cool. And I think from the marketing perspective, it's really interesting that uh, Ty West and A24 released both of these movies the same year, which I'm sure was very difficult to do. But... Um, that's the only way you can compete with like the immediate viewer satisfaction that you get from something like Netflix where it's like the fear street movies, all three come out on the same day or one after another or something like that. And uh, yeah, I guess this is the way you fight it. And that's what I was thinking, Victor. That's one of the uh, impetuses for putting them both together is that's what all I could think of was with the fear street last year, but that had the perfect platform to do it. And here they had to be tricky. I, I just might not have been paying much attention, but I didn't even know Pearl existed until I saw the trailer at the end of X in the theater. So it yeah. worked perfectly for me. Yeah. And yeah. Nathan, you mentioned that Mia Goth is an excellent actress, and I can't argue with that. But which role was stronger, the younger or the other? Well, I think I think the younger. I think she was given more to do in Pearl, but to, to be the fact that it took me a while to realize that she was more than one person in X is, uh, you know, and it was a little bit more than the makeup, but. Yeah, there was a, let's just say a sex scene that won't get you rising. <laughs> hey, I think as, I think as Karen Wagner said recently, every lid has a pot. Who knows, Bill? Yeah. <laughs> the, heart, the heart wants what it wants. Right. That's exactly it. Or every hey. pot has a lid. Sorry. But yeah. It, 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 people <laughs> love what they love and God bless them. Yes. Don't kink shit. Um, no, ju- no judgment zone here. Okay. So I can wash my brain. Greg Bench, you're up. <laughs> number I'm six. Up. I'm number six. Not that kind of up. This- Sorry. Oh, not that. <laughs> uh, number six. I have, a, I, I, I don't know. I look at the list and it's just like boom, 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 giving me the feels of, of yesteryear and it's Prey. Uh, if you want to call it a sequel or a prequel, it doesn't matter. It's a kick-ass movie that is in the world of the Predator series. And uh, it's such a cool movie. Uh, if you watch it in, in English, it's great. If you watch it in Comanche, I think it's even better. Um, uh, good special effects. Um, a little jitter moments with the CGI, but for the most part, I did actually enjoy um, the whole thing on the whole. Um, I was glad that it made it to Hulu. Uh, I would have loved to have seen this in the theater because um, I definitely would have made sure I supported it. Um, but that's okay. The home home theater's just as good. So, uh, pray. Yeah, probably one of the better movies in the Predator franchise, like in the top three or four. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Good film. Uh, it took a while to build. It takes a while to get the story and the characters. And it goes, uh, again, uh, a theme that I've come up with multiple times already. I put it into my non-horror list. I consider this an action sci-fi yeah, but it, I mean, it does have a monster. There are killings. I'm not going to, you know, if you think it's a horror, 
It's a horror. I, I'm not one of those gatekeepers. Oh, yeah, you know, you know. I, I too included in, in, in my non-horror or horror adjacent list, Bill. But you know what? You, you said it takes a little while to, to kind of get into the story. I loved that aspect of it, getting to know those characters and seeing their um, their interactions with each other and the, the sister and the brother and all that. I really enjoyed that part of it. And I think the, uh, the was it the Comanche um, mix or whatever they're calling it? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that specifically you know i just oh good film really good pick. Yeah, I, I like that i like that when you kind of shine a light to people that don't necessarily get it and i think the aboriginal has a, a whole kinds of a folklore behind it not that this is based on any reality or religious or anything but just the fact that that aspect of the world is now being shown i really appreciated that yeah there's not a whole lot you can really do with that franchise character right the character that this story is built around it's just like how many new things can we find for the aliens and the alien series to do and the genius part is they they do that by giving you a compelling world a compelling setting a compelling lead and then giving you some time you you know this character is going to show up and so when it shows up they're they're able to really make it matter because so much so much other stuff is going on, and I thought Amber Mid Thunder was was great, particularly like her physicality and mixed with her acting, like the how she handled all that, I thought was tremendous. And it's kind of like Victor, you mentioned. I, I do think it's in the top tier. To me, it's it's just about right there with the first one because of it's the cat and mouse element. It's that most dangerous game element is front and center, and that sort of got diluted in some of the other films, but. Here it really is front and center, and it is um, it's a thrilling movie to watch. And they should also give an Oscar to Pets because that dog is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Alrighty. So for my number six is one that we reviewed on the podcast, oh, I don't know, three, four months ago. And it was one that I really didn't know a lot about, kind of had an in- intriguing poster. It, it kind of alludes to a couple things. And as I watched it, it's atmospheric, and it just grew, and it grew. And while there wasn't a lot of action, I really found myself sucked in. And usually I'm a guy that likes my blood and guts and things. This one was really the antithesis of that, but I enjoyed it for that. And this is an actor that became really strong this year in a few films, Justin Long. This is House of Darkness. And it's, again, a story of Justin Long and this, and Kate Beckinsale, uh, or sorry, Kate Bosworth, sorry, not Beckinsale, Kate Bosworth, meet up at a bar or a restaurant in town. They kind of hit it off really well. He decides he's feeling lucky. He's going to ask her to go back to their place, but Kate wants to go back to hers. And lo, lo and behold, it's a castle. And he's like, oh, my gosh, in his head, he's hit the jackpot. So he goes in for a few (laughs) drinks. He goes in to chew the fat and see what's going on in this place. And let's just say things take a bit of a turn. That gets chewed. Something gets chewed. But it it, it kind of slowly builds. It almost reminded me of an old hammer horror, you know, where it's not always in the most action involved. But the atmosphere is there. You kind of know what's going to happen. But you want to see the journey when you get there. And Justin Long, I really like him as an actor. A lot of people don't like Tusk or, or the Jeepers Creepers films or whatever. And I think he's got a certain energy to him. He can give off looks just with his face. A lot of other actors just can't. And he's, and he's, he's an every guy. Everybody can relate to the characters that he plays for the most part. 
And I really liked where this movie went. And without to give it away, just look at the damn poster and it'll give it away. All right. <laughs> but I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't know what you guys thought of. I, I have not seen it, but uh, yeah, the premise does remind me of this Hammer movie called The Vampire Lovers, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. Which I liked a lot. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good castle uh, sets and, um, and shots. So yeah, it sounds good. I'll just say that I enjoyed Justin Long's character in this movie better than a more popular movie that other people <laughs> may speak of. He, he does something really, you know, Bill, you call him the everyman. He is a little bit the everyman, but he's got something else that, that adds to that, which he's the, he's the villain who thinks he's the everyman, who doesn't think he's a bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And not every time, but in many times, Long has that affability, but then he can also do the total cluelessness and show how sinister he could be underneath. And he's done that in many movies. I mean, they, he's that character in Tusk. He's sort of that character here where, you know, he's a guy who wants the same things everybody else kind of wants, but there's something going on there and he's not completely aware of it, usually to his uh, undoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, yeah, you're exactly right. He can come off as a total dink. Perfectly. He's the every douche. He's, He's the, yeah, he's, the, yeah. <laughs> he's that guy from the eighties preppy movies that you just want to punch in the head, but you yeah. smile when he gets punched. But he think he thinks he's the <laughs> underdog lead, the guy that's going to get the girl. Right. Yeah. Alrighty. So Victor, how do, you follow, how do you follow that up? Uh, yeah. No. Um. I, no. I just wanted to add uh, that oh. I really liked him in. Drag Me to Hell, which is one of my favorite. Oh yeah, movies. one of the few where he's legit on, on the up and up a nice guy. He really is a nice guy. He's still kind of snarky, yeah. but um, I think uh, Raimi really uses that to hammer home the horror in the last yes. third of the movie, where he starts going, "Oh, this is real." <laughs> but anyway, um, number six, uh, I have Mr. Harrigan's phone. Ooh. Ooh. Which, um, yeah, it's a Netflix movie. Uh, you know, I really, uh, I really don't like the fact that Netflix just releases stuff without advertising it, uh, because nobody told me about this movie. I don't remember how I found out about it, but I was like, Mr. Harrigan's phone, that sounds familiar. And then I was like, oh yeah, is that Stephen King book I read last year? And then I looked it up and I was like, it's on, it's on Netflix. You mean I can watch it for free? They dumped it in the middle of October. They literally <laughs> released it the same day as like three other things they released. Yeah. It's yeah. Ridiculous. It's very, yeah. And I, I really think it's one of the best things they've ever done. Like it's a solid, uh, like if you're listening to this and you like that New England, Northern New England, Stephen King uh, atmosphere, you like ghost stories. Again, it's not super scary, but it is creepy. And there are things that will make you go, oh. You know, <laughs> it, it delivers. But, um, yeah, yeah. The, the premise is really simple. It's um, Mr. Harrigan is uh, played by Donald Sutherland brilliantly. Uh, is uh, he's an old rich so and so in Maine, and he has a young uh, ward, sort of that uh, you know, kid that he's sort of nurturing, um, who you know belongs to a a, a family that's had some tragedy in the town, uh, and. Um, I love the way uh, King like just takes these typical family issues like, you know, oh, I really need to get a phone, mom and dad, you know, uh, and make and horrorize them. Um, But uh, in any case, 
uh, the kid buys Mr. Harrigan a phone. The kid um, puts the phone in Mr. Harrigan's suit after he dies. Uh, and that's when the film really begins. <laughs> <laughs> because what's going on with Mr. Harrigan's phone? Um, but yeah, uh, I really, I really liked it. Yeah. Donald Sutherland and J- Jaden Martell plays the, the young, the young man. Uh, it's directed by John Lee Hancock. I really liked everything about this. It's also pretty lean running time, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. And uh, yeah, highly recommended for that new England ghost story touch. Yeah. I, I really like this movie. I, unabashedly i love donald sutherland just about anything he's in one of my top five all-time favorite actors but i thought it was funny him sitting in that staid old chair and that you know that grandiose uh uh, reading room that he has there Mm -hmm. and he's trying to figure out how to use an app (laughs) there there was there was something to that that just made me laugh you know like somebody in their 80s or something trying to figure out how to check out the stock market or whatever yeah it was funny, but I really like this film. It, it it barely missed my list. But you consider this horror, Bill? Yes. No, I That's consider wild. this horror. But uh, yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's not that I don't. But compared to some of the other movies you've said, we're not horror. I'm I'm surprised. But yeah. um, is is Bill becoming your Dave at this point? No, no, not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Not so no, no. It's 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 just sometimes we have divergent opinions. <laughs> I've never heard of this film, Victor, and I am very intrigued because I love Jaden Martell. He's in uh, It Chapter 1 and 2 and uh, thoroughly enjoy those movies. There, It Chapter 1 being on my top of my, my top 10 of horror list. I can't mm-hmm. speak tonight. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, this is definitely going on my watch list. Cool. All righty. Well, Mr. Bizzelli, what's Oh, that's me. I'm up. Uh, speaking of Victor and what he... Uh, has already put on his list. Uh, my number six is Smile. Nice. So uh, this was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I've already mentioned the marketing and how I, how I thought it was genius the way they did it. And uh, it, this is one of the ones that it, it was a gift it kept on giving. Because just when you think you, you've kind of seen it and you know what's going to happen, you're not way off the mark on what you're thinking, but it, just goes and delivers that one little extra oomph that you needed. Um, there's one scene, mm-hmm. I'll just say it takes place um, in a car, mm-hmm. and that's all I'll say, uh, that, that it got me, and that doesn't happen very often. And then there's another cinematography-wise scene that happens in a morgue that is one of the most beautiful shots I've seen, I'll just say, of a dead body. So, But uh, yeah, smile. Great film. Number six. And they follow that shot you're talking about in the car. They follow that up with a reaction shot from someone who's looking on from a window. Right. That's so brilliant. That's like a great example of the movie having a really dark undercurrent of humor that it can break that out in those moments. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it two. I saw that scene two or three times to see how they did it, and uh, it, it's rad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I, I love uh, everything about that whole like sequence. Um, very cool. So I guess that brings me to my number six movie, uh, which uh, I don't know. People think this is horror or not. I don't care. Uh, this is crimes of the future directed by David Cronenberg and it's Cronenberg bringing, really jumping back into his body horror in a way they really has it in many, many years. Um, uh, 
he's he's done a lot of great films and he's done movies that I think are as good as some movies he's ever made. Uh, but they were certainly, I think, outside of that body horror aesthetic. Things like Eastern Promises and History of Violence and films like that and Cosmopolis and all these other movies. Very good in their own right, but just very different. And in some ways, I don't know that he's touched this kind of topic in any way really since um, since Existence in like 99. And there's a lot of the sort of themes you'd find in Existence and in Videodrome and even in The Fly in this Crimes of the Future. And uh, it, following this performance artist, Saul Tenzer, who's showcasing sort of, you know, his performance art is that he grows extra organs and he has them removed with the assistance of Caprice, who's his partner. And the world that this builds is sci-fi world where people are changing in ways that they're uncertain of. And the caw and the ripple effects that that has on the people around them and the society around them, it's very fascinating. Cronenberg has built worlds like that before, but here it's like you're watching the genesis of that world. The world's a videodrome that are certainly very surrealistic, but it's like that world's always sort of existed in this, in this way. It's just been under the surface. Crimes of the Future is a burgeoning world. Things are starting to turn this direction. And so where people are still being horrified by a lot of what's happening here, stuff that in the 30 or 40 years might be commonplace. But Saul is at the center of it, and I love the performance here. There's this weird, tired, almost resigned, uh, the character, not the performance, that uh, Vigo Mortensen gives. I, it's very interesting because everyone's on a different wavelength than I expected. I thought that this movie would sort of reach a crescendo of like you'd have all this great body horror and this gore and uh, grotesque and it's not that that's not there but it's handled in a very different way this is really um I, I would agree if someone said well i don't know this is horror this is more of like a noir story and i think that's true but i do think that the world that cronenberg presents here and the way he presents it is is horrifying in its own way and one of the creepiest moments involves a child eating a thing a child should never eat ever 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 and not just that, but what the response by the parent is is the horror, right? It's not it's not that aberration. It's the response to the aberration. And there's so much of that in this film that I think is fascinating from top to bottom. It took me on the first viewing, I was a little perplexed. Not perplexed because well, this is standard Cronenberg in some ways, but it didn't quite have the tone and feel with Cronenberg. In movies like The Fly and Videodrome, the horror is more propulsive. And here it's a little bit more haunting and a little bit more uh, teased to the surface as the movie goes along. So it took me a couple viewings to really appreciate it. Uh, and I think it's playing on Hulu now, so anyone hasn't seen it, I highly recommend it. To me, this is Cronenberg kind of coming back. Um, not that he was gone. Not that he was gone and he wasn't making great movies, but coming back to that sort of subgenre that he really sort of just pulled out of the ether and making a movie that's every bit as good, I think, as many of the movies he made when he was younger in that genre. Yep. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. Yeah, and yes, Nathan, I consider this horror. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, um, I really like the story that they weave. The world, you know, it's yeah. it's it's not that far removed from where we are, but it's far enough away that it's futuristic. All the little and details. The little details, and so the the characters are relatable, but then they aren't just because of the difference in time. But the scenarios brought up are, are obviously things that you can relate to. And, you know, those are some pretty wild parties. I really wish I would have invited <laughs> to some of those. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, yeah, Cronenberg uh, 
has a, a weird relationship with me and eroticism in in which you know he he's one of the very very few directors that showed me something I never thought would turn me on in a million years and I'm like huh that's kind of sexy you know well, Victor well, you you're know, a freak. I, Victor I was going to say yeah, Victor you want to just kidding. You, Victor you want to be a judge in the inner beauty pageant right <laughs> Yeah I mean um we're for, learning so much about each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he, he his camera like it, it's very clinical um which gives yeah. it sort of a removed he, I think he gets away with more stuff on the uh body horror and erotic uh you know tips as because of that like because uh, it's not it's not super uh accidental like the stuff that happens is very is very premeditated by the characters and and you're just like oh they're really doing that right you know? but in another movie that's <laughs> going to get you the nc-17 like i'm just licking her bioport don't don't mind me oh right right <laughs> yeah but but you know i i think that what's really cool about that concept is that it is perfectly in line with crimes of the future and like yes. the importance of like saul is a performance artist like the like what value does art bring to the world, to a world that's completely collapsing, where hu- humanity is dying and they need to adapt or die? Uh, like, what what's what place does art have in a world lo- world like that anymore? And I think Cronenberg has been answering that since he started making yes. movies. Well, and it's it's interesting you bring up the sexuality endpoint because I mean it crosses over and crash yes, most crap. definitely, which, which was where definitely a movie where you're like I didn't think that could be sexy, but it it kind of no. is. <laughs> It kind of is, that, that and, and like the the brood when Samantha Egger lifts her dress up. <laughs> well, should but, you be turned on or are you disgusted? But, the, but like it's we talk about the little details and what you just said, Victor. Oh. In Crash, it's all the they the way they fetishize all of those accoutrements of like the car wrecks, right? And like the yes. all the like uh, uh, you know the braces and everything that you have to wear once you're out of the accident, the stuff that we need to cut you out of it. All of this stuff becomes like you know, accoutrements of, of like foreplay, which is so yeah. weird. And it's the same thing here, the whole surgery thing. And there's a one really weird scene that Kristen Stewart, like tries to underplay as best she can. Yeah. It's just such a, such a weird film, but a, but a great film, I think. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to sit I know here that... and be ashamed of, of the fly. Okay. And my sexual approach to the fly. <laughs> <laughs> one word, cheeseburger. <laughs> 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 or, or, or is it donuts? Donuts. Oh man, man. Yeah, the 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 chemistry. I, I think. Well, p- the fly. Part of the the sexuality is the volcanic chemistry between. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes, Goldblum yeah. and Gina Davis. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you, uh, Greg, on that one. Uh, Gina Gina Davis. Well, and actually, Jeff Goldblum looks great in that that one too. <laughs> I was that's that's say, peak Goldblum right there. I was going to say you see more of Goldblum's ass than you do of Gina Davis's. Are there- yeah, I've always had a thing for Gina Davis, and Goldblum is Goldblum. Yeah. Like even in Thor Ragnarok, I'm still like, God, I would still magnetic. Goldblum. It's magnetic. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. Where are we? Um. <laughs> Back to uh, Greg Bench is now into his top five. Top five, number five. We've already covered Stephen King and his phone, so why don't we go to Joe Hills? Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson. Um, this is just a... Uh, I had a feeling when I first saw the trailers back in 2021. Uh, and it plays on so many of my fears. And 
It was well acted, well written, well executed. It plays on that the, those fears of, you know, growing up in the '80s and Stranger Danger was around every corner. But then, when you become a parent, it switches sides, and all of a sudden, it's like every every small and little nuance can just be like everything okay. Hey, I didn't see you guys last you know hour. Everything good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean the black phone, it's a it's a stellar movie and Ethan Hawke steals the show uh playing a bad guy which is a very rare role for him. But on top of it, you had the 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 little the young sister Gwen played by Madeline McGraw. She was a dynamite and if they gave an Oscar for her, I wouldn't say boo to it. I totally dig a supporting actress Oscar just for her role. But that's that's far fetched and a, a big dream. But definitely, uh, the black phone made my list at number five. Yeah, and as as we discussed, I'm Land of the creeps when we did that. I, I think that Ethan Hawke is starting to embrace that horror bad guy type of persona, and he's thriving in it. You know, like when you talk is sinister and some of the other ones that he's done where he's the baddie, he's, he's brilliant in it. And, and I really think he's kind of, I don't, I don't think he's the type of actor that's going to carve his niche exactly. Cause he's, he can spread his wings across different types, but he's good at it. I'm not sure if most of you guys on, on I know maybe a couple of you guys may, may watch, but uh, Moon Knight. His character on Moon Knight is one of the saving graces of the show. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Moon Knight anyway because it's about Egyptology and Egyptian lore. But uh, it, I loved Ethan Hawke in Moon Knight as well. Yeah, he's very good. I mean, I Hawke's always been one of, one of my favorites. And he has, I think, Bill, you're right, he has sort of uh, branched off and diversified and found... He's always done horror movies and genre films and things like that. And... Uh, but he he's a great actor and a, a great movie to see him sort of play the many facets of Ethan Hawke is um, the Paul Schrader's movie from a few years ago called First Reformed, where he mm-hmm. plays a um, a uh, a priest who finds himself in a situation and in circumstances that are they're somewhat unpriest like, <laughs> and where that movie goes it would it depends entirely upon his performance. It becomes a um, a movie that that goes a lot of different places, and in some ways, Schrader's trying to explore all these different facets of faith, and he does a, an amazing job. But he wouldn't be able to do it without Hawk's performance. And Hawk's good in, in this movie too. I, I love that tone again. That kind of the tone that we think of as the Stephen King tone. Yes, this is Joe Hill, but this has the Stephen King tone to it, right? And, and this is yet another film that came out this year that kind of pulls on the heartstrings of parents. This is, uh, I mean, it's a common horror trope, but they did it pretty well on this one. So, so my number five is one that I literally found on Prime. I, I knew nothing about it other than I'd seen a few people who had seen it. And that's how I love going into films, absolutely blind. And I ended up enjoying this one a heck of a lot more than I thought I would. And that's 2022's Run, Sweetheart, Run. And, and Run, Sweetheart, Run is... Essentially, another one where people try to hook up. Uh, the date doesn't quite go as expected. It was a business date that she kind of went on that went south. And a cat and mouse 
chase evolves. And it's not just, you know, a little bit of tit for tat. It is running for your life through the dark town at night. And the people that are chasing you have the power and the power struggle that's going on. And it kind of takes you through the different elements of survival, uh, the different people that people are connected with and an underground people. I really enjoyed this film. Have any of you guys seen it? And what did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it. And again, this is another one you can sit and watch with the wife on the couch. Like this is a perfect one of those kind of films. Yeah. I enjoyed this one too. It's fun. Yep. Okay. So, who is Victor, next? You're Victor, up. what do you got there, sir? Oh, number five. Uh, yeah, we already covered it. Nathan's uh, crime, Crimes of the Future. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I need to say Would you like to it. go deeper into uh, the eroticism of uh, <laughs> Mr. Cronenberg? Uh, no, I, th- I think we covered that too. But yeah, just to <laughs> clarify for our listeners, um, it was it was Roseanne Arquette and the leg braces. Yes. Like that okay. was like, oh, that yeah. is really hot. I'm on the same wavelength with you then. I'll give you the... <laughs> I, 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 Victor, I love Cronenberg and I love Crash. And yeah. some people would say that embarrassingly. I no, don't. It's a, it's a, it's, it's an amazing. It's amazing he was able to adapt that book at all, but then to adapt it in a way and make it an erotic thriller is crazy. <laughs> you know, at, at the same time, getting a, a Crash about James Dean, fantastic. And Elias oh, Kotes yeah. is so good in that movie. He's so good in it. He's so good. It should be starring him. Yes. Um, but no, but Spader's great too. Yeah. There, I mean, it's fantastic performances. Holly Hunter's in yeah. it. It's an incredible movie. Yeah, Elias Coteus always has these offbeat, quirky kids. That takes the cake. That's one of the most quirky. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, his character and Spader's character are so odd <laughs> in the first half of the movie that you're glued to find out what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 anytime it's on, I watch. You could say the same of that, too. There's that element here in Crimes where you're just not sure about a lot of these characters or how they yeah. fit. And the movie's not about showing you what their agendas are. It's just showing you who they are. And that's what makes it interesting. I think, I think Vigo, Vigo was really strong yeah. in this film. I, I, I mean, I would push for uh, Academy uh, nominations for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, not, not that anybody's going to listen to it. Sad, sadly, <laughs> I, I feel like that movie's flown under the radar critic wise, but we'll see. It would be, it would be cool. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All righty, Mr. Bazzelli, what do you got, sir? All right, all right. Top five. We have a, uh, a third film from this director, <clears throat> one that Nathan and I have already spoke at extenuating length <laughs> on my show, uh, and that is Nope. Uh, this is a Jordan Peele's the third movie uh, in the horror genre. Some would say maybe this is a little bit more sci-fi than horror, but I definitely think that it has horrific elements that catapult it into the the horror uh, genre, especially one scene involving a house. (laughs) Again, I'm trying to be vague with my my little bit of rhetoric I'm giving you guys, but at the same time, these are all movies that I think everybody on this cast right now wants you to go see in some way, shape, or form, whether it's you know, renting it at home or if it ever comes back to the theater. And this is one of the ones I was very happy to see in the theater because I think the, the soundscape of it, especially, um, and hearing, um, 
sunglasses at night and the way that it was performed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Corey Hart. Seeing him bump the Corey Hart really made me smile. Oh, it was just so, so powerful. And then, of course, the greatest interpretation of Purple People Eater I have ever heard. <laughs> As spoken word, nonetheless. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And this is one that I did not consider horror. And it's, it's nothing against anybody who did. I just thought the sci-fi was stronger than the horror element to this. I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Bill. I, I, liked, I liked the movie. I don't consider it a horror movie. Otherwise, it would be on my list. Yeah. But uh, I, I will say, I really like Stephen Yeun in this film. Yeah. I, I, thought he was the, I thought he was the best character in the film. And honestly, that's where the horrific elements really come in. Um, I said about the house, but really, when you think about it, there's a scene with a, a that involves a, a chimpanzee. It yep. is probably the most disturbing scene in the film, on all honesty. Yeah, yeah he's got he's got a really cool closet. <laughs> <laughs> did yeah? I guess it's the minor spoilers when he, that closet. Did anyone else expect that character to actually still be in there, possibly stuffed? <laughs> I was getting a bad vibe. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah okay Alrighty. mr bench what do you got there sir did you skip oh, me sorry sorry no i was looking at my notes and i said greg b well just for that you get a tie no, i'm just kidding oh uh, no, great just kidding um or am i but so you know it's the it's that movie the woman goes to an airbnb she gets there there's a strange man there Things do not go at all the way you expect them to go. The story at large becomes sort of a a a, a battleground of a battle of the sexes. A sort of uh, you know there are feminist elements. There's there's story starts to get very surreal and strange and uh, deals with all kinds of elements, body horror, everything else. Of course, I'm talking about men, and of course, I'm talking about barbarian. And those two <laughs> movies are are my tie for number five. They handle the things in very different ways, but I. Both movies, I, I think, are fascinating because they do have something they're trying to say, but they're also they're meditative in some ways, but they're also very visceral. Like, in the moment, I didn't have any idea what was going to happen in either movie. And in some ways, some of that was so jarring in men <laughs> towards the second half that I had to sort of, like, take that movie and then take it a second time to really, like, grasp my my head around it not that i didn't get what was happening but what was happening was so sort of far afield i think of where i thought that film was going and barbarian is it's much more i think accessible in some ways than men although i love um what garland is doing in men structurally and tonally and everything in barbarian it's more of a roller coaster ride and you just don't know where you're going to end up next but you can kind of come back the second viewing with barbarian and see exactly what they're trying to tell you with that story and what's underneath that story. And I think both of these movies, they can get you in the moment with the surrealism or the, the, the visceral elements and some of the body horror stuff. But there's a lot going under under the, uh, the, uh, the, under the hood, if you will, of both of these movies. They were some of the most fun in the moment movies I saw, even though they're very, very, I think, different. But uh, I love men and I love barbarians, so that's my number five. Taking the log line is the same. It's a very basic setup, and doing two completely different things with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to men and men. I love this film. Uh, Alex Garland, I think, really kind of puts you in his cinescope. He 
kind of t- starts a story one way. I mean, this is the guy who did Annihilation, Ex Machina. He kind of knows how to weave a story. And this one, by the end, you're not thinking, did I just watch uh, a straight ahead horror or did I watch a Cronenberg film or did I just watch Mother? Like it has <laughs> elements of all of that in there. And, and for those of you that look for it, there's lots of penis in this film. Shown <laughs> <laughs> really good. Yeah. But, it, but it's a very Floating. weird, I think the context yeah. is very strange. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not in a sexual manner. It, it, it really um, isn't. But uh, it, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it says right in the title, it's men, right? <laughs> yeah. You see men in all their glory and you get, and you have these fertility symbols and, but, but I, what it comes down to, is it's a character study and I really like where it goes. And as I mentioned on land of the creeps, this is one of the few films that I actually went to YouTube and looked up. What does the ending mean? Cause I wanted to go, maybe I missed something, you know, even I could watch it twice. And the funny thing is I, I went to three or four different reputable YouTube channels and each one had their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those things where after you watch it, you'll, you'll give your head a wash. You'll say, WTF did I just watch, but it'll stick with you. And I think the, the calling card of a good film is, does it stick with you for the best reasons? And this one does. There's a scene in a tunnel, like an old abandoned tunnel in the woods that is, amazing where he does so much with so little in terms of what you see and what is suggested and things like that and i see that it's on prime so if you have prime you don't have to pay any extra for this so please go out and watch it if you have it it might not be your thing you might want to imbibe you might want to take a bit of a mushroom or something when you Mm. but you're gonna (laughs) love the film i think do people still eat mushrooms? Is that a thing? Oh, yes. Canadians, yeah. Canadians. Oh, okay. Canadians <laughs> okay. I thought it was gummies now. Uh, gummies, uh, if it's sold, I'll I'll try it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I will tell you that Barbarian influ- influenced me to make a drink uh, after I saw it. And it's a very good drink I called Mother's Milk. Uh, <laughs> 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 and it uh, it includes some old smoky Java, some amaretto, and uh, some milk and some grenadine, <laughs> and rancid breast milk. Don't forget that ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in my video I even said, "I said we're going to top it off with mother's milk." I said, and "Although this sounds disgusting, I promise you it is delicious." <laughs> <laughs> okay. So certainly, number four. This is probably, well, no, this is the movie I've seen the most. <laughs> and I, uh, of all the horror movies of 2022, I saw it in theaters once. Uh, and then within 12 hours of seeing it, I watched it again. And it's probably one of the most divisive movies of 2022. And I hear some chuckle and laughter. And I love this movie, and it's called Halloween Ends. I have seen this four times, <laughs> and I even got to the point where I thought maybe I was missing something. Uh, I watched it with uh, the first two. I watched it with Halloween and Halloween Kills, and then topped it off with Halloween Ends. And I am a fan. Um, I don't know why it speaks to me so much. I The only thing that I can think of is the is the direct uh, uh, parallel uh, 
parallel sim similarly uh, similarities to uh, Christine, uh, another John Carpenter film and Stephen King book. But yet, when I see Halloween ends, I see um, my love of Christine and my love of uh, the Halloween franchise as the whole. And I'm trying to keep this as wordy as I can for Bill. Um, but I just, I don't know. Either it's uh, The movie has a lot of people on edge and, and, and wanting to remake the movie. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you could re remake this movie. But uh, sure, I'll watch it get remade with the same script and everything. Sure. You know, I don't think it's going to change anything. And then people are like, well, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And I'm like, no, tell me what you mean, because I just, I don't know. I'm not here to <laughs> stir the pot, but because this movie, I didn't know where to put it on my list. And I thought number four would be the best place for it. And um, yeah, it's it's a cool movie. I, in, in, in theaters, I, um, not to get too wordy with this, but with Halloween Kills, I did the old, I'm going to avoid it, any kind of exposure. And I had this preconceived expectation inside my head for Halloween Kills. And everything that I expected, none of it happened. So I was like, had this moment of mildly being let down. But yet when I saw it a second time, and then a third time, and then it's like, you know, Halloween Kills really is is good and then i just went out the window didn't care if i saw anything didn't read much about it i really didn't see much of trailers for this and then saw the movie and i was like this is great and then i wake up the next morning and it's just like there's flames all over my my phone and i'm like wait a minute are we talking about the same movie here and I reach out to a few people and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe we saw a different movie. Maybe, maybe this is like the movie clue. And you know, these people saw a different movie and I got to see this movie. So I'm, I'm totally content. And oh, man, you know, clue's such a good movie. <laughs> yep. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that saw lasted a different ending. Yeah. But yeah, well, that's my number I... four. Is Halloween ends. If you're referring to Clue, I am your singing telegram. Nice. <laughs> People love Halloween ends so much, they're actually talking about Clue that you just offhandedly referenced. <laughs> um, I, I got your back on this one, Greg. I You should have you should have IM'd me, because I had the same sort of experience where I thought saw it, and honestly speaking, if people want to turn the podcast up, that's fine. When I saw it, I thought, hey, this is the best of the three new movies, <laughs> in my opinion, because while I like Halloween, what I wanted to see was something slightly different. And what they did in this movie was slightly different. And because Michael Myers is not my uncle and you know, or a family member that I'm deeply invested in, I was okay that they changed things involving him. He's also fictional. So I I like the movie a lot. Wow. wow. Okay, good. That makes me feel a little bit better because I honestly was apprehensive because <laughs> I haven't listened to any of yeah. the podcasts that reference this movie because <laughs> just to uh, stay away I, right leave a love love I, i'm just gonna stay away I'm, i i got some other people that have listened and i said so how bad is it and they were like you know you should just uh mm. just skip that one you'll be yeah, all right yeah. just skip it i'm like okay so, i think the laughing wasn't you know in contrivance to your your stance i think the laughing was because we we know your stance so 
verbally, um, so yes. vocally, that we're, we're used to you in the community speaking out to your love of Halloween ends, and then and that's okay. Um, I I disagree a little bit with Nathan saying that it's probably the best of the three. However, I also enjoyed it, and I stuck up for you on Twitter. <laughs> when when this fight was was being waged well and and let me let me back up about the best of the three but maybe not it may not be the best of three but i think it's the one that i in the moment enjoyed the most because i had such high expectations for the other two and by the time you get to the third one like okay okay, this is doing something a little different in retrospect 2018 may still be the overall best movie but I, i think they they did a nice job with this one Okay, that's fair, and I agree with you. 2018 is, is the best of the three. Um, and, but, you know, in my opinion, I think that Halloween Ends is a lot in the way of Halloween. Yes, yeah, season which is my favorite, almost my favorite Halloween movie, almost. <laughs> me too, me too, Nathan. And, and yeah. I think that in 10 years, 20 years from now, I think people will look at Halloween Ends differently than they do now. Unfortunately, I think they're butthurt. Yeah. And, uh that's where we'll leave it, I think. Well, I think what it is is it was expectations. People were expecting uh, Michael Myers' kill-a-thon, and they didn't get it. And they thought if they're going to finish off the franchise, that's the way it should go. But see, and, to me, Bill, they had that in Halloween Kills. I know. It was nothing but that. Yeah. <laughs> but but we're not here to No, well. we're not here to debate. I, I was middle <laughs> of the road with it. I, there were elements to it that I didn't mind. And but you gave it a positive I review. Gave, I, gave a rel- I, I was six and a half out of ten on it. So, I, I, you know, what is it? A man who sit on fence is going to skin their butt, you know, kind of deal. I, I, I sat on the fence on this, but if there were things I liked. Pocket, feel cocky all day? What? I don't, I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> means you're going to get a splinter in your ass. Oh, you can cut that out. There's too much swearing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. There, there's some goods and uh, some positives and some negatives to that. So my number, what are we up to? Number four is one that I watched basically because Nathan said you should watch it. It's good. And Nathan's a pretty good judge of character. So I, I picked it up and I really did enjoy it. And that's two witches. Uh, oh, awesome. With a nice vague IMDb description of an aging malevolent, witch intercedes in the lives of two young women. Well, I mean, that could be anything. Now, the question I ask you guys is, do you consider this an anthology film? I do. It is, even yeah. though there are only two stories. There's only two, yeah. It, it, oh. it tells the story of two witches who get themselves involved in the lives of, of women in very different ways, but in the same time, there's a link between the two of them. And I like the atmosphere that's built. It isn't always necessarily my bag in terms of the type of film that I watch, but I go into every movie hoping that it's going to be good. And this one, I found myself really enjoying it. It's almost a callback to some of those 80s films. Uh, it had that kind of feel to it. It had a bit of supernatural. had a bit of witchery, a bit of spellcraft to it. You know, there was a sexual element, to, at least to the second story to it. Uh, it had some, you know, some deaths along the way. There's some cult. Guys and girls, if you haven't seen it, I, I don't say this often. This type of witch film is a good one. Go out and watch this one. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen it or what your opinions are of the film. Oddly enough, I watched it today. <laughs> oh, okay. And what did you think? <clears throat> I, re- I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I thoroughly expected it to be three hours long, and the way <laughs> that it was going, and then all of a sudden it said to be continued, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense why it's not three hours long because I 
I wanted more of the story. Like I was invested at that point and I was like, okay, well let's, I've seen two episodes in the epilogue. Give me chapter three and four. Let's go. And then it said to be continued. I was like, Oh, well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Greg, that's literally the only reason it's not on my actual top 10. It's right there outside the list is, is that like, I would got so invested in it and I'll say this to anyone who goes to watch it. And I think I told this to bill, although bill, I would have less concerns about cause bill will watch, anything on Tubi. So Bill, you know, Bill could stomach a lot of really, really indie looking stuff. But this movie starts out and I was honestly not feeling the acting or the filming of the movie at all. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to get into this. The audio scene was off, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It just felt very, the technical elements of it, at least initially felt very amateurish. And then suddenly within about 10 or 15 minutes, and it wasn't just getting the story. It was like the whole vibe of the thing kicked in. And even though it's very independent film, you the some of that actually added to the creepiness. There are some visual effects, I think, where they could have done without them and it would have been creepier. But some of the creepiness in the movie is amplified by how low-budget shoestring it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it had that, as I say, kind of mid-80s straight to VHS yeah. kind of feel. But I, it kind of worked with it, especially yeah. when some of those sequences halfway through the film and you kind of get that link between the two. I, I thought it did a good job of it. And as I said, it's you know, kind of like Christmas, bloody Christmas. The, the, low, the low end of it, I thought, kind of added to the atmosphere. I, I think the second chapter is, is kind of where you're talking about a lot of the things that are happening that, that, that both of you guys are speaking of. And honestly, it's still a really good chapter. Um, yeah. Uh, it's I, I don't want to give too much away on this because I knew nothing about it going in other than the fact it's the best way to see it really yeah, yeah. I, I heard a, a little bit on LOTC with you guys talking about it I've heard a little bit in groups talking about it and uh, funny enough we were talk, I was talking to Nathan about it and he said good choice and uh, it was it was a good choice uh, didn't make my list but uh, that's only because I wanted more well you said you didn't want a three hour film <laughs> <laughs> No, I did. That was the thing. Oh, I was did. fully oh. expecting a three-hour yeah. film by the way it was going. I was expecting like uh, ABCs of Death, okay? Because you know how ABCs of Death is like two hours and 45 minutes long because it's 26 letters. Yeah, I was okay with that. I had portioned out that time to you know do five minutes a letter. Well, as soon as I saw that this was an anthology, I had at that point said, okay, well, this is going to be a three-hour film. And then it ended, and I'm like, well, shit. I'm sorry, Nathan. Well, well no worries. Uh, you know, I expected a full two more chapters after that, and then I got epilogue, and then do stay after the credits because there is an after credit scene as well. I mean, the other part of it that lends credence to what you were saying is the the poster itself has eight characters on it, so you're obviously understanding that there's uh, a group dynamic here. There's uh, interplay between characters, and so you know something's going to play out. And it's kind of got like that spooky air and, you know, smoke and, you know, the crazy eyes, almost eyes like the beyond kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that I loved the character with the purple hair. I thought she was great. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So, uh, who, who just Victor, you're up. Victor is up. Oh, yes. Number four. Number four. Yes. Uh, we've covered it. It's X by Ty West. Um, one thing I discovered today about X that we didn't talk about was uh, the music. Uh, there's a composer credit given to Chelsea Wolfe, uh, who is one of my favorite living metal 
artists. Um, and uh, I, if if you're ever if you've ever been curious about sleep paralysis, um, <laughs> check out her album Abyss. Um, it's it's crazy, incredible. Yeah, it's really kind of creepy and dark. But um, I don't know exactly what she did as a composer on this movie, but uh, I really dug the um, the emotional vibe. So I'm sure that contributed. I didn't to it. know she was involved. Yeah, she's, just she's now. got a composer credit. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know either. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure none of the songs were played because it's a period piece. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Uh, and uh, one of two movies that this dude <laughs> did in one in one year, incredible. He probably needs a a long nap now. Well, he's got to finish the third one, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Finish the third one first, <laughs> then take it. Yeah, yeah. Del- deliver Maxine first, and then that, and then long nap. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm next, and uh, my number four movie is X. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> new term. I got victored. <laughs> we got Bartle Bald, really, because I had it like you know yeah, in one true. of my many ties, like yeah. five movies ago. Oh yeah, that's right. We're allowed to have ties. I have a tie here at number four, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to tie my number four X with Violet Night, and that's Ooh, just because nice. I just saw that, and I don't even know I know it's not really horror; it's horror adjacent. It was such a good film; I had to mention it. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was as gory as Halloween Kills. People are like, why didn't they let my, where is Michael Myers' bloodbath in Halloween Ends? Well, they gave it to Santa in they, that movie. They gave it to David Harbour. Yes. Well, and what I like about that film, along with uh, some of the others, is it's an, an emergent, a reemergence of a, an actor like we talked about Justin Long. This one is the Leguizamo. He's so good in that movie. I unapologetically love John Leguizamo. Um, back all the way to his movie, The Pest. Okay, <laughs> which I'll go back to Mario Brothers. Okay, See, oh, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back to uh, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go back to Mario Brothers, Nathan. And no, I'm one. kidding. I like Mario <laughs> Brothers, but he's not good in that movie. I like it as like a piece of trash. You know what I mean? Like it's a, <laughs> even a guilty pleasure. Like, like okay, <laughs> okay, at that point. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, I'm un- un- unapologetically a huge fan of Leguizamo. I think he's great in everything he does. Honestly, he was in which was the the Romero films, the one that had Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead. Of the Dead. That yeah. was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. he's really Dennis good. Hopper. Yeah, yeah. Which funny, he was also in Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps coming Mario up. Mario Brothers, the only movie that Bob Hoskins has not won a BAFTA for. Yeah, <laughs> and Nathan, it seems like we need. I have never seen the film, so it has to be one that we have to review. Like, like I just love. I mean, it is. It is. It's such hot garbage. But it's like, how did it even get made? Like Dennis Hopper plays King Koopa, but all they've done is take like some sort of Vidal Sassoon and run it through his hair and give him three <laughs> ridges on the top of his head. <laughs> so it looks bad. like. Looks like. Donald Trump meets a like Tyrannosaurus. It's like the stupidest thing in the world. I won't watch it. I won't watch it until it gets a 4K. They took this story <laughs> about this plumber fighting mushrooms in another world and turned it into this like semi Blade Runner like steampunk dystopia involving an underground race of dinosaurs that grew along the evolutionary path of man. Like what? It is Blade Runner meets Total Recall before Total Recall. <laughs> 
it's but it's just so ridiculous. Like Lance Henriksen is in that movie as a ball of fungal snot, and he shows up for two seconds at the end with no no lines. <laughs> so bad, but so bad. it's Samantha Mathis. I, I but we're not here to talk about. I was going to say I Brothers. can't. I can't see how. I can't wait to see how you transition that to your film. I don't know. It's going to be a Mario Brothers episode at some point. But anyway, you're welcome. So welcome I actually I have a good transition because you talked about John Leguizamo, who's in my number four movie, The Menu. And uh, I I loved this movie. He's he's really good, and I saw this one before Violent Night. He's a smaller role uh, in the film. In fact, he's almost possibly playing John Leguizamo. But this. The Menu is a movie that I, is another one I can see if people say, no, this isn't horror, it, uh, or that it's horror adjacent. Uh, it's another one of those hybrid movies. I really like the hybrid movies, the films that take surrealism, that take thriller and uh, drama and sort of meld them all together in a pot and stir it up. And there's, there is horror here. I think if you, in the same way there's horror in Midsummer and films like that, it's definitely... Uh, I guess you would call it now, we have the A24 vibe. It has A24 vibe. But this movie, to me, is hearkening back more to something like uh, like Louis Bunnell's like The Exterminating Angel or something like that, where the satire and the surrealistic aspects of it, although in this movie you could, you know, you can make a case that everything that happens here could legitimately happen, but the tone is very strange, where you bring all of these people who are paying an exorbitant amount of money to have this fine dining experience that they see as transcendent art with this uh with this chef that is renowned for 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 making these sort of avant-garde sort of uh, food experiences and seeing all these people brought together into a in a circumstance people mention clue there's there's some exterminating angel here there's a little bit of clue here there's even some ratatouille here <laughs> and the way it's all blended together, and here, you know, we talk about Mia Goth, who's amazing, in X and in Pearl, and then someone who's been burning it up in horror, and in, not just in horror, but in, in film and television everywhere uh, for the past several years since The Witch is Anna Taylor-Joy. She's in this movie. She's fantastic. And Nicholas Holt, who is uh, the guy that, that goes with her to this uh this event, or she goes with him, I guess I should say. Nicholas Holt's another actor, not unlike Justin Long, who has this really great way of playing unassuming douchebags. And sometimes just straight up douchebags. <laughs> if you've seen The Great, I mean, it's just unapologetically. Yeah. I'm an ass. But uh, Ray Fiennes as the chef is amazing. All the, the various actors, and there's a whole bunch of them that play the people at those tables, including John Leguizamo, uh, spot on. But where this movie goes... It's fascinating and it is thrilling and as you get, but it also there's a there's a big helping of dark humor through this entire movie. The way the dishes are laid out, they'll come out on screen with a uh, you'll get a small little blurb that describes the dish and the rules for the film are set up pretty early, but they go in ways you don't expect. When I saw the menu and heard that it was potentially a horror film, I assumed, oh, we're going to get another cannibal movie, or maybe, you know, the trailer suggested a different kind of movie, and it's really neither of those films. But it is, it does have a pretty hard satirical bet. I think if you are a person who loves horror movies, you'll love this movie, even if you don't ultimately come down on the side and say, well, this was a full bore horror experience. It's a fascinating, engrossing movie. I loved it. it to me, it's one of the best movies of the year, period, even if it wasn't a horror film. But I, I do think it is a horror movie, uh, but it has a lot of dark comedy. Yeah, there's elements of both. I, I ultimately put it on my non-horror side, but I, I can easily see the argument either way. 
I, I thought the performances were strong. I really liked Reed Burney. I thought he played a, a neat little character opposite Judith Light. Yes, just, yeah. Just sitting there. And I, I'm not going to say any more. I want people to watch. But it made, gave me this nice comforting feeling of camping. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Well played. <laughs> Has anybody else seen it? I just think the cast is amazing, and I think Nicholas House is the best beast since Kelsey Grammer. Oh, wait, he was the only beast. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, Mr. Bench, top three. All right, top three. And I finally get to say it. I was Bartleballed, Rodriguez, and (laughs) Bazellied because... Actually, I was more barterable, but that's okay because I have a tie because Ty West killed it this year <laughs> with X nice. and Pearl. I it's it's quite the feat to have two movies being released in the same year, and I wouldn't have wanted any other person than Ty West because, as Nathan said, he he really has. A good eye for the cinema and a great way of telling the story and encapsulating the audience, whether it was House of the Devil or my favorite, which was The Innkeepers, really gave me the heebie-jeebies with yeah. its ending. Yes. Um, I even enjoyed The Sacrament, and it was, he just has a, a, a something that I just, you just don't you don't learn or you don't get taught you learn it and it's natural and i think he just has that natural ability and he brought it with x and pearl both being dynamic of each other and um i just couldn't pick one to be on the list or the other and i didn't know where to place them so i said i know nathan likes ties and i don't mind a tie too so (laughs) you can't have x without pearl you can't have pearl without x but you can also watch either or as a standalone and not lose anything so that's where i'm at with number three I, don't think I just can't much. get over how huge it is to have one director have two movies on pretty much all of our list. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, he had a very productive year. I would say his uh, next three or four movies are already being sent to him as we speak. Yeah. Alrighty. So my number three is one, and I kind of am noticing a theme in mine of strong women. And I love that the women are now getting their place. They finally get the light shot on them that for years they weren't. And this one, again, is one where the female is strong, and I love that she's strong. And that's Sissy. Yes. And Sissy's a film, again, I knew nothing about other than there'd been some buzz in some of the rooms and things, and so I'd check it out. And, you know, at certain times it verges on horror, non-horror, but this is definitely a horror. And it has to do with friends coming back together that hadn't seen each other for quite a while from childhood. And then getting invited to a party or a stagette when the one main character is getting married. And she meets up with people there that weren't necessarily her best friend back in the day. And let's say old rivalries start to get dug up, uh, jealousies, bullying, long lost uh, stories from their past. And it becomes bloody good fun. 
I really liked it, especially somebody who's ever dealt with bullying and they've got that, what can I do if I ever got the chance? This is one of those films for you. And it also pokes fun at Gen X and the social media aspect to our culture right now. But I thought in a much better way than Bodies, Bodies, Bodies did. As on the poster, they say wicked fun. I agree. It's wicked. It's fun. It's got a dark side to it. It's got characters who you don't necessarily think is one is better than the other. You don't really have allegiances. You just want to see how it plays out. And I liked the gore. I liked the kills. But I liked the character motivation more than anything else. And it's not often where I say there's a, there's a, something takes a backseat to the gore. And in this one, something took a backseat for the good one. So Sissy is one that if anybody hasn't seen out there listening, please go check out. I know, Nathan, we, brought, we talked about this not that long ago. Is there anybody else here that would like to discuss? Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, uh, I, you know, I find it interesting that a bachelorette, like we call it a bachelorette party in the United States. I don't know about Canada, Bill. Well, it's bachelorette. Did you just call it a stagette or stag-ette. something? Yeah, stag-ette. That's what I thought you said. Yeah. A, I haven't heard that either. But they, oh, yeah, no. they call it a hen do. A hen, a hen whatever it is. I, I've never been to one, so damn if I know. But. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I would get so, a baguette. Yeah, I think the, the filmmaker's Australian. Yeah, film, that correct? would be right. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's two of them. Hannah Barlow and Kane Senses. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, well, anyway, that's it. That's my comment. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I like the movie. Uh, Greg, uh, either of the Gregs, did you guys see it? Uh, yeah, I yeah, it was number 10 on my list, and I just second okay. everything that you said, Bill. I mean, because I did care for this a lot more than Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, I think that this captured the very similar feel that, of the generational gap. And here you have uh, Sissy or Cecilia that's just... Uh, you know, she's trying to grow and, and of course her past comes back to haunt her and the way that they release some of the knowledge of when she was a child with her best friend is totally brilliant, uh, how it's executed in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once you see that, what actually happens and, uh, everything then falls apart from that point, it's like, yep, it's a, it's a bully revenge movie per se. And, and I like how you put that because yes, there were aspects of poking fun at pop culture and Gen X and social media, etc. And there's a, a generational gap, but I didn't feel as awkward about it in sissy as I did in bodies, bodies, bodies. Yes, yeah. I'd agree. All righty. Well, Victor, bring us oh, up to your numero two. Number two, uh, Pearl. We, we've talked about it. Um, what didn't we say? Um, Oh yeah, uh, I I guess it, it really reminded me a lot of May from two thousand and two. Yeah, uh, Luck, that's Lucky a McKee good movie. Call. Yeah, Lucky I mean it, it's t- it looks and feels totally different than May, but the 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 way that the director puts all the dramatic weight on the shoulders of an unreliable and probably insane protagonist um, reminded me a lot of May, and they're both great. Like I really liked Pearl. Obviously, it's number three on my list. And I really like May, the year it came out. Um, so, yeah, a really cool movie. I can't believe this is one of two for Ty West of the year. It's inc- incredible. Um, and I hope he keeps going because uh, I'm loving what he's doing. 
That's an awesome court because there was there was something that Pearl was reminding me of this entire time. I've seen the movie twice now, Victor. And May is a great movie, but it's a movie that I think has also kind of flown under the radar a bit. Like I haven't probably seen it in years. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think that was the basic sort of the structure. Like you're right, they're they're very different in some ways. But yes, the possibly ins- the possible insanity, and then how the perception of her reality changes. You know, as she gets further and further down this road and things start to adjust the end of the last half hour or so of may uh you know things that are horribly tragic look different to her you know yeah. we're we're processing the tragedy but the dark comedy is in the fact that the way the world now looks to her is so distorted that if someone were to walk in on it it would not be a good thing <laughs> right yeah, that's the the mental state of the two characters. I, yeah. I think that's that's beautifully said. Yeah, and there, yeah, there are between X and Pearl, there are at least three classic ten out of ten scenes in in those movies. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of them involve alligators. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A few of them involve alligators. At least two that I can think of. Yeah. Are are we up to me now? Yep. All right. Number three Greg. has already been uh, talked about, and every time I go to talk, I get flummy. Um, so yeah, number three has already been talked about, and it, it involves a child killer uh, with some balloons and uh, a phone <laughs> that may or may not be tied to the other side, and uh, that's the black phone. But since we've already talked about that, we're also going to talk about the Northman. Uh, because I want to, uh, and because, because is that a tie to I, say it's a tie? Yeah, it's a tie. <laughs> I'm, use, I'm just do it using this time to use my horror adjacent and my horror list at the same time. So, <laughs> oh, if you wanted that, you, we could have invited you to another episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe we still can. Oh no, this is much more chaotic. I love it. Do it. <laughs> it's, it's as chaotic as. Uh, as, as Skarsgård's... Uh, as a sword ad- fight in a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> as a naked, naked sword <laughs> fight in a volcano. <laughs> Get it right. Um, and there's also a wicked uh, statue that's put on a building. Uh, oh out. my gosh. <laughs> uh, I really liked that part. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's in it again, who's absolutely amazing in everything she does. Uh, Skarsgård's beautiful. Uh, and we're learning a lot about my sexuality apparently today. Um because both of my number threes include men that are just absolutely gorgeous, and that's Ethan Hawke and Skarsgård. So, yep, that's it. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and Ethan Hawke was in The Northman. Yeah, he, he was, and yeah. that was oh, honestly, yeah. Greg. I didn't realize that until I was sitting down in the theater, and all of our the entire Monsters in the Mosh Pit cast went and saw that movie together. Awesome. And we're sitting there, and we all looked at each other, and we went, "Was that Ethan Hawke?" Like we all had the same thought at the same time. It was yeah. so weird. Yeah, he seems like he shouldn't fit there, but uh, but that thing on the wall—I I think we can call that a human centaur bead. Is that what that was? It was amazing, is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I can't think of too many movies that are in in recent years, at least, that are more metal than The Northman. <laughs> I wanna... Maybe The Spine of Night, right? Yeah, oh, Spine no, of oh, Night. that's a good one. Yeah. But I, that was my only beef with The Northman was is I wanted some Amana Marth. Like, in the <laughs> right, like a full there? blown, yeah, yeah. There was no Viking metal in the soundtrack, and I really need to speak to Robert about this. <laughs> yeah. All righty, uh, Nathan, 
What do you got for number three? Okay, well, my number three, the the next three, um, so people will look at all three of them and say those aren't horror, but uh, then there are others that will. And they, they bounced around a bit. Uh, all three of them at some point had been in the number one. But my number three is a movie that has already been mentioned by, um, by Greg Bizzelli, and that is Nope. Uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. I do ultimately consider it a horror film, and part of the reason for that was the the movie. It felt most similar to me when the, when it was finally done, and the experience I had of watching in the theater, and I saw it, and then I thought, you know, I, I did take my family to go see it, and we had similar experience second time around. Is that it? There's a lot of Jaws in this film, yeah. you know, and I consider Jaws a horror film. So ultimately, I kind of I consider Nope a horror film. Although I will say it is definitely built in the Twilight Zone mode of things, but. I love the direction of it. I think that I've I'm three for three on Jordan Peele. I I think uh, I do like Nope and Us ultimately a little bit. I love Get Out, but I I think Nope and Us uh, appeal to sort of the the weirdness of them appeal to my sensibilities a little bit more. One of the things I love about Nope is just how he juxtaposes the ideas in the film and dealing with this idea of how people. Uh, we, we we yearn for wonder in our lives and we contrive it sometimes and we also try to put it in a box all at the same time and we try to do things like we want to give our tragedies meaning but sometimes in doing so we we create you know a farce out of them and i i don't think this is really lofty ideas i think all of that's in the movie in a pretty visceral way starting from the very opening scenes but um there's some tremendously creepy stuff in this movie though uh and, and you don't always know what you're looking at the first time through. And I think that's one of those fascinating elements of it. Um, I agree with Bill, you said earlier, and it's something I did want a little bit more of in the movie, but I think he's used it well. Stephen Yoon's character, he's very fascinating in his placement within the movie, right? Um, there is that scene about halfway through when you realize what is actually happening, and it puts into context so many other things you've heard or seen. <laughs> and it's... Very alarming. I think that was a very truly like disturbing sequence. It's, even it's a real you, creepy smile that the one character has. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, I, yeah. And it's it's the scene that happens right after that when you have, um, you know, the star lasso. Everyone gets to have the star lasso experience is not what they thought it was going to be, and it's got to be one of the worst things I could possibly imagine. You know, um, I always thought it'd be horrible to fall into the sarlacc pit. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never thought of those two connected like that. That's that's perfect. Well, you you mentioned the that you felt like it was like Jaws, and and the reason why Nope didn't make my horror list was because I associated it to a different Spielberg movie, which was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, oh, yeah, that too. So that's why I it ro- nice. rode right on that fine line, and I can it teeters just depending on on the mood because like it's it's just right there i i love it but yet it's just enough where it's like oh man so i could totally see your jaws connection but well, it's funny and i think greg that's what i love about it though like i love the fact that it kind of is all those things at once and at any moment it could be also not horror but horror yeah. you know it's funny towards the end it kind of felt a little like tremors yeah. yeah, that too. Yeah. You're at, you're bang on about that, Bill. That's this other movie I felt. My kid said that it's like Tremors. It's like yeah, yep. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, so I'm I'm on a nine year old level. That's good. I, I'm, I'm no no problem with that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I, I, I I get that, but but it, it works in that way. That's what yeah. you know. Yeah. 
And there is a little bit of humor with the the motorcycle rider at, at the end of no, which which that like that reminded me of Tremor because Tremor, the, the yes. tone of Tremor is very light, um, whereas Jaws is more like the, you know the the characters make jokes but the film is deadly serious you know yeah, um, but yeah I I really like the movie but uh, yeah I didn't I didn't th- consider it a horror movie although I I could I I could see the argument for for pro horror. Okay, so you're number two, Greg Bench. Number two. Oh, this was early, early, early in the year. Oh, I know, I think. Oh, do. Oh, no. I may. We'll see. Oh, shoot. I don't mean a bad way. I'm excited I, if I, it is what I think I, it is. I hope you're excited about this one. If not, that's okay. But uh, I, I really liked Scream. It, yes. it took me back to the original. And um, yeah. I couldn't get enough, and of course, it has the ever popular that she's already been mentioned before. Uh, da, 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 Jenna Ortega, uh, her first appearance for 2022. Uh, so yeah, it, I just I don't know. There, I, I could gush about mm-hmm. it, but um, it really kind of harnessed the the uh, classic uh, slasher feelings and uh, elevated it in its own way. And I had I had to have it on the list, and it just kept going up and down, up and down, and it landed at number two. So, Scream 5. <laughs> However you want to call it, Scream. I'm going to call know, it the best what thing it was. since the first Scream. There you go. I didn't know. Awesome it, is it actually, is it called Scream, or is it Scream 5? It's just called Scream. Okay, so <laughs> it's almost a reboot but not because but not. it's it's a direct follow up. Yeah, it yeah. takes place in the same universe as the first movie. Yeah, as she says, it's a requel. Yeah, oh, a requel. Oh, that's, that's that was the one aspect of that movie I was not like high on. Was the whole I know what they were trying to do, but I was like, oh, yeah, no. it was almost like like meta horror where they're sitting there almost putting down the genre with. I I got a kick out. Well, of Scream kind of it didn't start that, but it popularized it. You know, so. and, and that's the only reason why I really enjoyed the requel like uh, monologue was because that is yeah. literally what Wes did with Scream. Like, oh yeah, he may yeah. not have been so forthright with it but that's what he right did. it was a little clunky but it would totally fit in the world of the scream movies yeah yeah that's All that's right. clever i i, I didn't I, I saw it. i didn't that, that didn't really register with me but uh <laughs> but yeah that's a that's a good point i also got halloween 2 vibes with the fight in the in the hospital hallway oh yeah totally yeah yeah a little bit uh, of that. that's that's one of the yeah, we don't talk about the fight in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, my number two, uh, everyone else has talked about, uh, is Pearl. It, nice. It, now, what I'll say about Pearl is nobody's brought up uh, David Cornsweat, the projectionist. I thought, how can I, how can I dance around this? He ended in a way that wasn't quite fair. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody in this yeah. movie end up in a way that was fair? <laughs> you know, like it's going to be add enough intrigue that you want to keep watching. But is there anything sexier than a woman with a knife just stabbing out? You know, like Mia Goth looked great. She looked great in this. Bill, I got a phone number for you that I think you need to call. 
Um, if you're ever in danger, if you're <laughs> we're expressing a lot of our inner uh, desires in well, this episode. Well, it's well, interesting. The thing is, though, because she plays one way. I mean, this movie is as much about mental health as it is anything else. And, you know, it, you know, mental health, a lot of people are now, it's coming to the forefront and people that need the help get it. But this one is one where she needed help yeah. and she didn't, wasn't necessarily getting it. And so it was just a, a fun film. And what I liked about it is it's very similar to X in that the first 45 minutes kind of took you down one road and then the second half took you to another. But he also doesn't linger with either of those movies. I think that's no. the interesting thing with his pacing and the run times. Like, he, he keeps them at, you know, he keeps them what they are. Like, you know, kind of brisk horror films. Yeah. Even though he's a lot of... He still allows them to unspool at a certain pace, even though he's not going to make the thing last two and a half hours. Like, your feeling in the first ten minutes is not the same yeah. as your feeling in the last ten. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and I think that's a good one. So... I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point. We've all talked about Pearl. We enjoyed it. And so, uh, you know, she wore a nice red dress and that was appropriate. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I really, I'm really wanting to rewatch that one now. I haven't, I haven't watched as many times as X, so I need to. All righty. So then, Victor, what do you got as your runner-up? Yes, sir. Uh, for number two, I had Men. We've already talked about it. But, um, yeah, I guess the premise is a, a grieving young woman which i think i think it's important to mention that she's in the she's getting over a, a horrible situation where she feels guilty but maybe shouldn't um they anyway they go into detail on it in the movie in a, in a kind of a brilliant emotional way um but she thinks just the thing for her nerves is taking a nice country vacation <laughs> in uh in england and um you know uh rory kinnear um plays several characters in this movie. And I think he should get an Academy Award um, for what he does with some of those characters. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say a, a note. The the composers are Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, who usually work on Alex Garland joints. And um, if you guys think the name Jeff Barrow sounds familiar, he's in Portishead. He's half of Portishead. Uh, that band that was a hit in the nineties. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't I heard of that name in a while. Personally love them, but, um, but yeah. Uh, and Ben Salisbury, I know did archive 81, which was one of my favorite yeah. Netflix series uh, that was unfortunately. <laughs> they didn't give it a second. Yeah. yeah I would yeah. Yeah. continue that one for sure. And but, I'm very curious that when the uh, Academy comes out with their role of people that are nominated, if the people from men get a special effects award, Oh yeah, I don't know, but I, the cinematographer I think is the real superstar of this movie. Yes, I, I yeah. mean, just like you said, Nathan. I mean, the man that shot in the tunnel. I mean, there's so many thing, things where I just like dropped whatever I was doing while I was watching this and just went, "Oh my god, that's gorgeous!" It's not even just <laughs> yeah, you're not even just engrossing. You can feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can feel like what it's like to be standing in that woods in that moment or when she is at some point sitting in her house and something else is happening outside yes. that she is unaware of. Oh, man. And, 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 and Rory Kinnear is really good in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think he'll get any nominations or anything, but, you know, kind of as the side person, creepy, 
but effective. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think, um, right. So uh, Nathan, you already said the, the first, there's a huge shift in the narrative from the first two thirds and the last third. But um, I think what's really cool about, without giving away any spoilers, whatever's really, what's really cool about the last third, even though it's a little surreal and confusing, um, is that it'll get people to talk about it. And, you know, um, one of the things I love to do, if you could find somebody cool enough to watch horror movies with you is, um, you know, talking about how you, what you thought of the movie or what you thought the stuff meant in the movie afterwards. And, uh, I think Garland made a great, uh, you know, footprint for doing that in this movie. Like that's, it's a conversation starter, (laughs) but anyway, yeah, that's all, I guess that's all we, that's all I had to say. It's so good. It's a it's a yeah, fantastic. Yeah, movie. There, there was a time when it was my number one film. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really, really did enjoy this, and it's not going to be for everybody. But those that like, uh, you know, Moorhead and Benson and Alex Garland and, and you know John and John dies in the end, like those kind of films. Yeah, you're going to really like this film. When I, and it is, you know, it really. I don't know that we've mentioned this, but there's a there's a heavy element, obviously, of full car in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't talk about it too much without getting into the film, but um, yeah, it's there. But it's also psychological. There's so many different things. What I love about this, and of several of the movies on our list this year, if they were made, they're so ambitious in some ways that if they were made with anyone with any less talent, they'd be train wrecks. You could see someone attempt everything that's done in men, and if they didn't weren't up to the task, if an actor like Rourke uh, was not up to the task of those roles, or the cinematographers and things like that, it would be, it, it'd be like probably on people's worst movies of the year list, you know what I mean? Or a movie that's like a, a howler, just, you know, that it doesn't work. You're watching it, and you're thinking, how does this work? But it does. Yeah. Alrighty, I think we've exhausted men, but a fabulous choice, Victor. Uh, we've exhausted men. I'm cutting that, <laughs> Bill. I'm sorry. No, that stays in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play it before the sh- episode actually starts. I didn't mean it in the way it came out, but sure. <laughs> well, thank you, Bill. I am so tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Greg, have a shot. What do you think of your next movie? Uh, well, uh, my next movie, after all of that great disposition you guys gave to men, I'm going to bring it up a notch with a more artsy film because I just didn't think men was artsy enough. And I'm going to go with Deadstream. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, Deadstream is legit probably the greatest surprise I had all year long. <laughs> it's scarier than Blair Witch. And funnier than most comedies. And I don't know how you can do both of those things so straight and get it to work. But they did. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. The The protagonist slash antagonist is both someone that you want to hate and literally punch in the face and at the same time give a hug. I don't yeah, know how that yeah, It's weird. But yeah, I didn't say much when someone else, I can't remember who brought it up earlier. But It was I, me. Oh, Nathan, yeah. Tell me that you, have you paused it and read the comments on the side of the screen yet? <laughs> yes. We we had a Barnabal family 
heyday of just reading all of that stuff and how accurate that is to, to the way things are. Oh my gosh, that make that's such a huge part of the movie. Like they they have so perfectly considered every aspect of how they were doing this that it's hard to fault them on how they they pull it off. So I am a forty year old man. I just turned forty last week, and I still watch Twitch and I still go to YouTube and watch YouTube videos. Okay, <clears throat> but I will tell you right now, the comments in that comment section are exactly yes. what you see online okay the hate the vitriol the people trying to make jokes and like just all of it It, but it's all it's it's not overplayed that's how it is it it is literally (laughs) just what it is Uh, i will say that in the horror community and the heavy metal heavy metal community it's not as bad and not as hate filled which is what i love um i love that our community is so embracing of everything and everyone Mm -hmm. and we enjoy the fact that other people have other opinions like even though you know, other people were wrong to not include Nope because they thought it wasn't a horror. I'm not going to call them out for that. Okay, <laughs> of course not. Why would you do that? That's okay in my book. But yeah, Deadstream I think is everything that was needed this year. I think this is literally the the kind of the the shot across the bow of what is happening in popular culture right now, and it kind of gave us like host during um, COVID was kind of like that was the legit what was happening during COVID, right? We were on our Zoom meetings. We were working from home. And if you were going to have a horror story, that was a good way to do it. This, to me, in 2022 was that, okay? It was what's happening currently. It's what's the kind of the finger on the pulse type of horror that was needed. And just a pleasant surprise. I enjoyed it through and through. Absolutely loved it. My number two, Deadstream. And in my opinion here, they brought the comp the, the, that host didn't necessarily have the same level of commentary. The, the commentary is here on top of it, you know, that in the film, they're, it's saying something about this at the same time that it's sort of doing it. But that bit when he thinks he's trying to run out of the house, <laughs> I just laughs so much. And I don't know if it's a, a trend that we're going to continue to seeing, but it's yet another film in the list, you know, kind of poking fun at the social media culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know if it's just, you know, because the filmmakers are now in their mid to late twenties and, you know, they're kind of caught up in it, or they just see that as something to grab the attention of a younger audience, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Yeah. All righty. Nathan, what do you got as your uh, runner up at the ball? Okay. So my number two is a film that uh, I saw again in January at the film festival. And this one is definitely, I I admit straight up has lots of elements of dark fantasy and uh, historical drama in it. But I think it is also definitely a horror film as much for about the things that it's about. Uh, It's how it's about them. But in some ways it's as if Terrence Malick had made a horror film. This is called, you won't be alone. Uh, And it is 2022. It's directed by Goran Stileveski. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Uh, Nomi Rapanchi is one of the primary stars. Uh, She plays a character who is... uh, In the opening of the film, I'll just keep this short, but I think it's a movie many people probably haven't seen. It takes place in the 19th century. It's like in Macedonia. And this uh, witch ends up... this She's called a, a lot of different things. One of them is called a... A, uh, a wolf eatress. These creatures that they come, they it, she takes a child, takes it away from its mother, and takes it to a cave, and uh, essentially raises it. But 
what we have happening is, is this witch passes its life force on the char the primary character, this young girl, uh, becomes a shapeshifter. So what we're watching is one person over the course of history changing bodies as she makes her way through the world and in, in a very, you know, horrific sort of way in a, a shapeshifter skinwalker whatever you want to call them that plays heavily into this but this is about an outsider character who doesn't quite understand the world and is learning everything sort of from a fish out of water perspective and she is uh processing this but what we see is several different actresses of course across the course of the film playing her and that element with the witch comes back into play and there's that that kind of dark underbelly of the story comes into play this is a movie i had to see a couple of times a lot of times that's the kind of movies i like a movie that sort of has more to offer it doesn't feel uh very visceral on the outset it is very kind of poetic and uh there are some metaphors but it is telling a story it's beautifully done it's visually amazing i think uh, I think that people are looking for a full-blown horror, might not appreciate it as much, but for me, I got into it. I love the pace of it. I loved what it was about and how it was about it. I thought the performances were great. It was just like this sort of long dream that sort of washes over you, and uh, it is, it's a, it, it's a nightmare at points, too. Is it less of a, a horror film in some ways? It is, but I think the horror is there. It's the way that the story is told, so I think... In a lot of ways, I've mentioned a couple times that some of these films had the feel of horror that I would feel when I'm reading a story or reading a book, and maybe a literary horror, if you will. And that's sort of the feel I had watching You Won't Be Alone. It had the feel of someone adapting a book. I don't know that it's adapted from a book, but it had that sort of feel to me. It unraveled in that way. So number two for me, You Won't Be Alone. I think it's an amazing movie. It just as easily could have been on my other list. I think it's very strong as a film. It's a film about being human and being a monster at the same time. Yeah, it's a film that I've known about. It's on my radar. I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. So uh, I knew that uh, Jay Piles really liked the film. And uh, I, I'm going to watch it. I just haven't. Yeah, it just skimmed off my list, Nathan. This was a... Uh, definitely, you, you said it best. <laughs> I can't follow up what you said, but um, the first time I watched it, it's exactly how you described it. What did I just watch? And just the way that it made me feel, I, of course, then had to watch it the next day. Um, and you pick up more every time that you watch it. And uh, the, uh, the variety of the actresses that are portraying the skinwalker shapeshifter witch they're phenomenal and um had to do a, a fair amount of acting with minimal dialogue so i really did i enjoyed it it's it was different and and, and good all righty so that takes us to number one, numero number one, number one. Put in Nathan some special Your Neil Pert drum solo, as you want My Keith Moon. So my Mr. Mr. Bench, what do you got for us, buddy? Exactly, my number one was. Um, there's been a lot of hubbub with trailers being false and and giving false senses, and that's in the courts right now for that one movie. Um, but this is nothing like that. Uh, the trailer I was afraid was going to spoil this movie. 
And when I saw it, my expectations went a different route. And then the buzz started forming around it, and I couldn't wait to get to the movie theater before it got spoiled for me. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was barbarian. This movie, eh, it it's it exceeded all my expectations, and then threw everything that I thought it was going to be out the window, and <laughs> mother's milk and all that, and. <laughs> Richard Brake was just awesome <laughs> and oh, yeah. dark and chilling. And it's, you know, I had a conversation with somebody and with his whole sequence, every time he's on the, on the screen, it's not what you see that scares you. It's what you don't see. It's all the things that your mind is playing with. Mm, you yeah. That's being withheld all that information. I'm glad that it didn't go any farther it was just the right amount of tone. Um, again, I'm not spoiling, going to spoil any of it, but I'm. That's just my thoughts on it. Um, and yeah, it's it's crazy. And of course, being in uh, just outside of Toledo, Ohio, and being within a uh, snowball's throw of Detroit, I can tell you, I even started like you know walking out the movie theater, like looking around. Like, I really hope I don't see this giant coming at me because, I mean, burst out of the wall like the Kool Aid man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one one surprise (laughs) after another in that movie. And I I loved it. And uh, it didn't stay at number one because I just to bounce off, I did have the Northmen as my number one but i i booted it off the list because i was afraid people were going to be like it's not horror enough so i you've already saw see we don't care about that well and of course (laughs) at the time i i was kind of like well i remade my list i i don't want to like omit anything so Mm -hmm. i'll just list it as that horror adjacent honorable mention if you will um but yeah the northman blew me away also especially seeing it in theaters and yes, you do get to see a lot more of. Um, oh, you guys said his name. I can't remember it, but yeah, it was Justin Long. No, not Justin Long. The other um, one, Scars. Bill Scars. Yeah, Bill Scars. <laughs> so what a cool. What a, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> did you just purr, Greg? No. Yeah. 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 Not not Ben. Not ben, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. He is sexy in that movie. Like they're like I am a. 40-year-old married man. Yeah. But I would leave my wife for him in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. No, no don't apologize. But yeah, that's, no, no. that's my number one. And, and yeah, sure. That's been the least creepy um, sexual revelation tonight, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I already uh, professed my love for the fly. Come on. Watch how Brundlefly eats. Um, <laughs> All righty. So my number one is one where, you know, I took a look at the whole pantheon of films through the year, and I thought which one would be a good representation due to its quality and its story writing. And I came up with Grim Cuddy. Now, Grim Cuddy is a story of... No, it's not Grim Cuddy. What oh. the hell am I talking about? I was about to shut this whole thing down. <laughs> I was so flabbergasted just now. I, I looked away from the screen. 
<laughs> I was just waiting for someone to say, get the hell off the stage. I know Bill well enough to know that was not it. <laughs> Bill and I texted a lot while that we were watching that movie, and I know that's not it. <laughs> no, I just got benched. Mine is Barbarian. Oh, no. And that's fine. And, and you know, I, it, it was a lot of fun. It's a movie, you know, you don't get enough horror films where you put your brain at the door, you enjoy the ride, you don't have to think it through, but you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of movies. Yeah. There's a lot of movies you put your brain at the door because the movie's just, ugh, or, or 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 the characters are just you don't care. This one right. you put your brain at the door, but I enjoyed the journey. I like Justin Long. I think he's a he plays a great douchebag in this film. He really does. Uh, Richard Brake is really cool. Uh, I forget who the actor is. Is it J.R. Esposito who plays the um, the homeless guy across the way? <laughs> You know, and you're like, who is this kind of jerky guy that's coming over to them? But at the end, they should have listened to the jerky guy, you know, you know, and it plays off so many tropes. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a little bit of Silence of the Lambs, what's going on in the basement kind of deal. You know, you got a little bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what's this wacky family in, in the house. And you've got, you know, and I know that Justin Long purposely makes stupid mistakes just so that they're tropes that they're making fun of. But there is also some good gore. There's some good suspense. There's a lot of tongue in cheek humor in this, you know, again, it's poking fun of our society and social media and, you know, being popular. And I just had a whole whack of fun with it. So I know that we've talked it to death, so I won't expect any further, but barbarian for me was a, a thrill ride. I didn't expect. And so, Victor, what be, what says you for number one? Yes. Well, number one, uh, the movie that by far had the biggest emotional impact on me this year was Bones and All. Um, it's directed by Luca Guadagnino, uh, who did the Suspiria remake a couple of years ago. And um, they're in, I don't know if this is a real thing in movies, but in literature there there are basically there are two two schools of horror writers writers that do outsider type stories um like hp lovecraft and they're which is you know a lone guy and nobody believes me and you know that kind of thing the uh, the kafka you know hitchcock kind of angle and then there's the group mentality which is definitely Stephen King like you have a group of people that learn to work well together and then they can defeat the evil thing um, and I thought Bones and All was such a great outsider story an outsider love story um, and I know that uh, much like uh, you guys have said with some other films um, I might get some flack for putting this on a horror list but I think this is very much a horror film um, because uh, I think one of the two main thing main criteria that i have for you know is it horror or isn't it um is gore uh and it really goes over the top in in a couple of a couple of points in the movie it's just a few seconds but man it really hits hard because you care about the characters and it's just done in a shocking way um and you're just like whoa like that just happened um and um Real quick, yeah, it's it's about a young woman named Marin who must learn to survive 
a homeless life, basically. Um, and she must learn because uh, she's has a very special problem, um, which is she likes to eat human flesh. And um, that's not much of a spoiler because uh, you get to know that in the first 10 minutes. Um, but man, uh, it's great. And then, you know, along the way, she meets all kinds of weird characters. And the three main actors, I think the young woman is uh, Taylor Russell, and then uh, Timothée Chalamet, who is amazing in this. Um, and then, uh, man, Mark Rylance as um, this other drifter dude that, that uh, she talks with at one point. Uh, they're all so great. Uh, chilling performances. Uh, great. Uh, oh, yeah. Gr- really weird, gritty, like gothic look. And by gothic, I don't mean, you know, goth. Uh, like Wednesday or anything. I, I mean, like it's um, sort of the the ugliness of the the Rust Belt or wherever they're they're traveling through is is so beautifully shot. Um, and the I think the score is uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it's not the music that you'd hear in Social Network or anything. It's uh, it's like the kind of weird de- detuned um, stuff that you know you'd hear on uh, uh, Downward Spiral or uh, you know the the album that he did after that. Um, man, uh, I, I just this movie hit me from every angle. Uh, it really moved me, and I highly recommend it. Give it a ten out of ten. It really was just it was a swing for the fences that, in my case, worked. You know, earlier I said that Piggy was my biggest regret of the year for not watching. I actually think that this is actually the biggest regret of the year. I think Piggy's a very close second, but Bones and All, I remember seeing the trailer for it probably back in um, September, maybe early October, one of the movies that I'd gone seen. And I remember making a point of it right then and there that that was something I wanted to see. And then when I learned that Timothy Chalamet was in it and that the rest of the cast was in it, some of those character actors are you know, from Doctor Strange to Ready to Play Player One. They're yeah. character actors that we've seen in like a lot of different things. And I was really excited to see them in this. And it almost gave me that Doctor Sleep kind of vibe where yeah. it was like just going to yeah. be something mm-hmm. that I really needed to see. And I dropped the ball. And I feel absolutely terrible about it. So I'm going to rectify that ASAP. Cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. It just, I haven't gotten to it yet. Too many films, not enough time. But I definitely want to. Uh, and I know that there's a debate of whether it's horror or whether it isn't. I mean, I'm again, I'm not a gatekeeper. Everybody can think what they want. Or if it scares them, then it's a horror. And so, uh, Victor, uh, I really appreciate the review. And I'm definitely going to be checking this one out. Awesome. All right. Greg, what's your number one movie? Is it Grim Cuddy? It it, is Grim Cuddy. I can't believe that's why I looked away from the computer earlier because I was so upset that you took my number one. Yeah, right. I got to make a new one. (laughs) Well, if that's the case, I guess I have to make a new one. And the new one's going to be from overseas. And it's going to be about a young couple trying to reunite amid mm. a crisis that may or may not involve some skull effing um, <laughs> and a basketball court scene that goes just far enough, um, but not quite far enough. And that is the sadness. I 
effing love this movie. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. This is another one. I, I try to go in and see. I've said this multiple times where I've, I've tried not to watch anything. We all kind of are the same way. I think as horror fans, we don't want to be disappointed by being um, told too much in advance, right? So it, the sadness was one of those ones where it was like, oh, hey, it's on Shutter. Let's watch it. And <laughs> I watched it before all of the chaos started online. And I was kind of happy to see the, the the crap hit the fan of everybody watching this because I'd already experienced it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> just watching <laughs> it all happen. It was kind of like watching the you remember when the nuclear explosions like were first being tested. And, uh, you know, they, they you see the video of the guys putting on the weird sunglasses and sitting in the bunker. Yep. That's what I felt like when I was watching the reaction um, <laughs> tweets of the sadness. <laughs> so. It was so good, though. Um, there's a lot of gore, which I'm sure Bill appreciates, and some of my other people, like Dustin, who's my co-host on my show. But I'll be honest with you, the story is really good. And that says something for a movie that involves a virus that infects the hypothalamus, right? I think that's what it affects, which is like the pleasure center of the brain. It is chaos on screen and it's so much fun if you can handle the gore which it's not like august underground type gore it's not guinea pig type gore but it's gore okay it's i I don't know um as far as cinematography goes they don't reinvent the wheel um the practical offense effects are a lot of fun the story is actually engaging and fun to be around and, and actually watch uh, it is a subtitled film but in the sense of train to basan where you get engrossed in the story and the action that you don't really realize that you're reading the story anymore just it, it is my number one film uh, the sadness excellent strongly recommend cool yeah i i love the film uh, i'm not gonna you don't have to sell me on it and uh yeah, there is some things with skulls. I love the scene at the beginning at the was it the bakery, the deli, or whatever it is when the old lady walks in. <laughs> oh yeah, oh that yeah, is, that is fire. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that might be actually the the gnarliest in terms of what you actually see. And, and like, there, I really like the interplay between the couple and then the the you know the chasing through the town and see where they get to, and I like that. And, and they do bring in a bit of a sci-fi element to it, and that there's science involved. Uh, my only downfall on the film is I, I thought the ending was a bit of a cop out. Uh, I, I kind of saw that coming, but it, it kind of went where it logically yeah. was going to go. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard in movies about the downfall. You know, when you have this sort of apocalyptic downfall of situation of civilization, it's very hard to find new like play. You know, when a movie is this ramped up for the whole runtime, it's sort of like, well, where exactly do we go? You know, I feel like. Every movie, Romero found an interesting way back in Night of the Living Dead, but it's hard, right, to find uh, I, I thought it was, a satisfying I, I thought it was almost there. an ode to uh, Day of the Dead. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, fantastic film. Uh, I, I am not going to argue with you at all one bit there, Greg. Yeah, Taiwan's bringing it. Like, I, I think just to, just to put it in context a little bit, um, a zombie uh, apocalypse scenario we have definitely seen that done a lot in the day and we've seen it done 
really, really turbocharged way in the last 20 years, a couple of times. So when, when I heard, oh, there's a zombie moving from Taiwan, it's supposed to be really good. I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, but I saw it and they did it. They pulled it off. They made it interesting again because of the, uh, the emotional angle and the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the sadism angle. It's, it's really engrossing to watch. <laughs> no yeah, it's not. People kept talking about it, and and Bill backs me up. Knows that this is you know the one of the things with me. I'm I I appreciate gore, but I'm not a gore hound. Give me the edgiest, grossest thing you could throw at me. Oftentimes, I feel like people are just throwing stuff at the wall to see it stick. And those movies tend to actually bore me or begin to bore me. You know, when it's just gore for the sake of gore. And so there was a very good chance I almost didn't watch this movie because there's a very good chance I was just going to hate it. You know, based on because people were talking about the most salacious parts of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But man, it really did work for me. It's just outside the list, and that is kind of an achievement because of of how intense it does get. But what they managed to do is as crazy as some of those things get. There's some stuff involving an umbrella at one point. I mean, like the stuff that you think isn't going to be that bad, and it's like, what the heck? There's um, there's even some strong elements of dark comedy in this. There, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that's the yeah. thing. You don't expect the comedy, but there's to me, the most chilling, and I think this is by design, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a scene towards the end of the film because the virus is bringing out your uh, your inner junk, right? Like, it's taking your inhibitions away, so you're doing things that are entirely not you. You know, they're still you. They're just the very dark parts of you. But there are actions taken by a character late in the film that, to me, the most chilling actions are done by a character who's in complete control of their senses. Mm-hmm. And when he's telling the other character, the female character, about the things he's done, oh. that, to me, was the darkest stuff. Like, I'm like, wow, this is... The, it's, it's, the, it's the classic Romero. Here's the monster is still the the thinking calculating human being the unaffected in this yeah yeah scenario yeah i mean that dude on the train's a piece of work but this guy's worse (laughs) yep no i it's again i obviously it's my number one so i could talk days and days and days about it but yeah i strongly recommend people see it not just for the gore hounds i really think that the story though simple because it's literally uh, you know just a cat and mouse type tale it's still engrossing enough that I think it's worth yeah. investing in. And to their credit, even with the gore, they they make it impacting without truly being a you see everything case. It's, it's still not a you see everything. They make it very uh, very unpleasant, but it's still not like it's not a guinea pig movie or something like that, you know. Okay, so I was say, you can cut some of that awkward silence. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to add. I, I'm editing this whole podcast down to an hour and ten minutes. Um, I'm just, I'm just kidding. All of my lines are completely gone. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> Every time Greg says, "I don't know," but I thought this actor was hot. It's just gone. <laughs> um, oh, just, man, that's the I'm only just... contributing factor I had to the show. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So we'll go um, back in, Nathan. What do you have as your number? I one? was like, "Who's next?" And it was me. Yeah. So actually, my my number one movie has actually already been mentioned, and uh, it's funny because I said the, my number two film. Well, it's like I felt like it was if Terrence Malick had made a horror film, and my number one movie is also kind of like if Terrence Malick had made a horror film, and it's Bones and All. Um, yeah. And I'm actually pretty surprised that it that it did end up number one. I didn't expect that going into it. 
I really wanted to see it. It looked right up my alley. The Malick film in question, that in fact, this is very much like a very specific Malick film, which is is uh, his first film, Badlands, uh, with Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen. And yet, uh, the world that is created here, it is neo-Gothic. It's also neo-Western, neo-Western Gothic, yeah. or something like that. And it's beautiful desolation is like the best way to put like everything in the film, not just the landscapes, but the people and the the violence. It's Victor, you're right. The the violence in the film is intense, but it's not even it's 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 horrific and it is horror violence, but it is depicted in a way that is absolutely realistic. Not just down to the the what's seen on screen, but the reactions of the people being attacked and the attackers in a way that seems very alien when you're watching it. Right. Because then you see certain human rituals and the first this first scene that happens at a sleepover is just burned into my brain like i can't on that i there were scenes in last year's titane which ended up near the top of my list and <laughs> this movie kind of has that at some points but then there is this love story going on through the center of it um and and, and it has that it's a road picture too so it has that feeling and not unlike a like an easy rider where you go from one set of characters to the next and you see these beautiful little scenes there's the scene where they encounter characters played by um oh um david gordon green yeah, thank you, David Gordon Green, and also by uh, uh, Michael Schulberg, and they're there at this campsite, and I couldn't, t- I couldn't figure out if I want to see more of those characters or less because of how creepy they were. Uh, you know, yeah, there's yeah. this feeling of like there's perfect balances of what you get in this film, and there are points you can be watching and think, "Am I watching a young adult love story?" Well, you are, but it's done in such a convincing and compelling way. And this world, this universe, it's not just that this young girl finds that she, it's not so much that she finds she likes to eat human flesh, it's the fact that she is compelled to do it, and she may not know when the next time that she will be so compelled to do so. And you think about a world where that is what we're talking about. You know, it breaks down into eaters and not eaters, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the way they, they define themselves, it isn't that far from that that band of nomadic monsters that was in Dr. Sleep, like you mentioned, Greg. Um, but man, Mark Rylance is, I, everyone's amazing. Taylor Russell was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I think I first saw her maybe in the Lost in Space TV series on Netflix. Oh, and then, then, net, then Escape Room. And I think she's a big part of why that movie wasn't a piece of hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> escape room. I mean, I don't think it was amazing, but I watched both of those films and I thought, you know, she's got a presence to her and it, you can totally see it here. I mean, she is wonderful. I like Chalamet, but I, I, I he, if he had been a different actor, I probably would have been okay with it. Here he's, it was, I liked him better in Dune than I liked him here, but that's a small, small thing. It's not that he's not good. I love seeing, um, there, there's some cameos here I don't even want to mention, but Jessica Harper from from Suspiria shows up at oh, one point, yeah. and I thought that was cool. There's a there's a Chloe, person I didn't Chloe Sevigny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her role's crazy, but these sequences they pulse with the exact kind of drama you would have in a normal dramatic film, but that horror underneath this idea of a world where hey, there are cannibals. They can't. They don't exactly know why they are, who they are, uh, but violence. The scenes. There are scenes things he does and says in this film and the cadence in which he does them. Uh, he's a commentary himself on a certain kind of thing that's happening in the world, but to see him do it, he's just, 
he's flesh and blood all the way. You know, it's 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 a hundred percent not a metaphor. What you're watching are these people living their lives, and it is crazy. It's crazy, but it also feels grounded, which is a very very hard thing to do. I think. Yeah. I've heard a couple times the word the the film Suspiria. Bill, Bill, are you familiar with that film Suspiria? <laughs> I, 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 really, I won't hold it against the film when I get to see it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I'm assuming you mean like the color palette and the good music. That's what I'm assuming you mean. Well, the I think we're talking about the 2017 one. Okay, the the remake. Yeah, I, the I, remake. I just thought it would be fun. Yeah, yeah that one I haven't. I haven't <laughs> yeah. actually seen that one, but I am. This is the yeah. This I, is the same director, but Jessica Harper from the original Suspiria. I know she had a role in the new one, but uh, it was fun to see her back. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Same. And actually, the gore in the Suspiria, the recent Suspiria, uh, is handled rather similarly than it is than it is at Bones and all. It's just it's shocking when it happens, but then you just kind of go with it. <laughs> yeah, hearing Nathan and Victor talk about this film makes me more and more upset that I missed it. I, I'll be honest with you; that, that I'm going to guess that this probably would have made my list had I watched it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The good news is it's you can. I'm sure you can rent it. Or stream it. Soon. Yeah, I'm going to rectify the situation this weekend, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help me today. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it. So it's a good film. Alrighty, well, I think we did a pretty darn good job with our list. Does anybody have any comments after their list? Anything they noticed or anything that they wanted to speak about? Well, yeah, let's have some honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. We'll, sure. we'll go around the horn and uh, start with Greg Bench. Well. <clears throat> It's been mentioned, <laughs> uh, but Deadstream, uh, it was uh, recommended um, by some people in the LOTC of uh, Victoria Chambers, and um, I really wish I would have seen it sooner, watched it about a week ago, and it was a fun ride with probably one of the best reactions to a jump scare um, if you know, it, 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 there's a couple in it, but let's just say it deals with a bed, and I jumped so bad because, and it's a practical effect that was probably done very simply, but so effectively that I like jerked and almost hurt myself watching it on the couch and I had a good laugh about it. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I fell hook, line and sinker for that one. But that's how the whole movie was. It was just such a familiarity to the movie and the, the little homages to evil dead had me just cracking up (laughs) and how how can you not like this movie is how I felt afterward. You're so angry at the, at the lead actor, but yet, like what Greg said, you just want to give him a hug and a pat on the back and say, see, attaboy, you did it. You did it. <laughs> and do better. And, and do better next time. <laughs> now, now, I did mention the Northman because I didn't. I kept that off my list. And I, I was going to mention Nope, uh, both not because I didn't want to have them on the list. It was just one of those things where I was like that inner turmoil. Now, one movie that I definitely was keeping off my list because it was a dishonorable mention, if you will, um, was called Vamp Father. I saw this early <laughs> in the year. Um, 
because I don't think even Bill has seen no, that. Oh my I gosh! Not, no. and, and there's there's no need. But this is you know <laughs> the poster has Danny Trejo, and I'm like, that was enough for me. Danny Trejo and something called Vamp Father. Oh yeah, I gotta see this. And it was the biggest regret. Oh. Even though Tom Sizemore does have a good phone-in role, probably at his <laughs> own home, where the filmmaker was probably there for a total of an hour of setting up, filming, and then disassembling. But um, <laughs> another one that uh, I recently watched, and it just it skimmed off the list, was um, The Invitation. And the music caught me for for the invitation. I don't know why, but uh, I just wanted to mention that one. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I'm looking forward to 2023 and what that's going to have. And we have some early, early, early starts, um, especially Megan. With, with Megan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one, um, yeah, really looking forward. And I think that's going to be nightmare inducing. Um, and my daughter has some dolls that are not going to see the light of day for a little while after that, because yeah, but that's okay. She would probably agree with me too, because she hates the commercials, but yeah, that's, that's all I have. I mean, uh, Greg, you're not alone. I did have, uh, bones and all on my list to try to see before this episode and now I regret not doing it because it wasn't just on one list but two lists at the number one slot and I'm like oh dang it <laughs> but that's okay yeah Greg I don't remember was Titan your number one last year? yes I feel mm. like you will really like bones and all I have okay. a strong feeling you will yeah I, so. I think you both will Titan I think I drove my family nuts talking about Titan, recommending it to some brothers and sisters. That was, I, especially my one brother who's fluent in French. I'm like, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. And he's like, I still haven't seen Raw. And I'm like, it's your mistake, not mine. I, I, I'm going to watch it right now. I'm going to watch Raw. And then afterward, I'm going to watch, I'm going to follow up with Titan. Look, Greg, I'm going to borrow that line from now on. Someone says something, that's your mistake, not mine. <laughs> so I, anyone that talks about the dawn, I always say three words. Oil from nipples. <laughs> mm, <not> that. <laughs> yeah. Or four words, watch out for the sink. <laughs> watch out for the sink. <laughs> All right, well, I'll just talk about some of my runners up. I had something in the dirt. Uh, I had Halloween ends, nice. actually. I had Scream. Nice. All of these have been talked about. Uh, nobody brought up Dark Glasses. Uh, yeah. Argento's Dark Glasses. I, I enjoyed Dark Glasses, too. Yeah, yeah. That's a, haven't seen it. Um, I didn't mind, actually, the 2B remake of Terror Train. I didn't think it was that uh, bad. Of there was a 2B remake of Terror Train? Yes. And, and it's actually decently done. All right. Um, Shocking wait, that Bill brings it up. <laughs> you uh i think you did send me the poster i didn't okay yeah. i'll check it out um like i mean it's not exactly groundbreaking or anything but i mean when you consider it's Tubi and it's a remake of a fairly decently well-known film it's not bad um one that we reviewed on the uh, uh podcast here that i doubt anybody else has seen other than us too is gatlop hell of a game uh, uh that's a fun movie. that's a fun movie uh hellblazers i really enjoyed hellblazers um, and then I also had Mr. Harrigan's phone and Crimes of the Future. 
the, my dishonorable one is uh, actually I had a couple of movies actually lower than Feeders Three. Uh, what? Yes, I know I did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there was one called uh, Jack and Jill: The Hills of Hell. <laughs> that one was so bad you didn't even tell me you watched yeah, it. Yeah, no, this which was is impressive. This is one and a half stars. I found it on YouTube. Like it's it's actually it still has one and a half stars. <laughs> half stars. Um, I don't even know how to react to that. Uh, there's one that I watched, uh, I talked about on LOTC. It's called Stay Out. It's uh, it's a it's a playoff get out. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh but there was but there was one called uh oh yeah, it's stay out. Here it is. Uh, there's one called, um, what was it? Titanic 666. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Please tell me that's like a half star. Uh, no, I think I gave it like one star. And, uh, and the, the other one that I saw that was bad was called Jack Frost. Hmm. Jack Frost was, uh, I gave that two stars. The but. Jack Frost, not, you mean this, it, not the, no, no, not, not the multiple Jack no, Frost from back no, in the no, day. No. Here we go. Here's the meet the next stone cold killer. A supernatural creature will stop at nothing in order to turn a family's whole world upside with his icy mayhem. <laughs> Ignoring the fact that two Jack Frost horror films have already been made and one children's film with Michael Keaton. that should have been a horror film. Yeah. I was going to say that that still doesn't differentiate them from. No, the that no, it doesn't really. get ready for a brand new idea. That's never been done in 20 years. So, so yeah, I, 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 I can't remember if that was to be, no, actually, you know what? I think I saw it on YouTube. Like the distributor didn't mind it being on YouTube, so it was on YouTube. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so there you go, uh, Victor. What, what would you have? What, what fell on the cutting room floor? Uh, well, I think we have mentioned all my honorable mentions uh, in at length, except for Mad God. That was the only one that I think we haven't mentioned. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, what's your take on it? Because I've heard yeah. both sides. Well, yeah, visually, it's really interesting. Um, you know, it's uh, it's stop motion animation style, um, but uh, the whole movie is that, and it's really more of a vignette than a feature with structure. And that was my problem: was that I just didn't know what to like in the movie. It was it was just sort of a visual thing where. I was just seeing these interesting images, um, and and they are kind of horrific. Except that the stop motion kind of um, makes it, I don't know, more uh, more palatable, I guess, than if it were, you know, done live action. Uh, but anyway, it's it's interesting. It's a one of a kind movie, uh, unless you count like that. Uh, tool video that uh really popular <laughs> right. in the early 90s that's yeah. very similar if, to that if yeah. you run or begotten sober. or something like that yeah. although sober. begotten wasn't stop motion was yeah. it sober i thought it was sober sober but yeah it's sober yeah, yeah. sober for- begotten is something different but yeah sober is the tool video yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's kind of what you're getting you're getting like 90 plus minutes of that if um if that's your thing then check out mad god on shutter it's a fever dream, just a but, but with all the cohesiveness of a fever dream. Yes. No, no, but you you solidly have it in the horror category. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Okay. It's a journey through hell, like quite <laughs> literally. Yeah. Gotcha, uh, Mr. Bazzelli. Is there anything that you uh, 
didn't mention that you thought you might have. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a few that didn't get brought up. Uh, surprisingly, like uh, um, hatching wasn't brought up. Uh, good movie. Um, I thought that was uh, kind of clever in the in the in the way that it dealt with uh, uh, the mother specifically um, in that movie. I think is uh, my, uh, the word is atrocious. I think that's the best word for it. Yeah. But, um, I think uh, slap face wasn't brought up. I, I, although oh, slap I didn't face, really I forgot. I liked it. Yeah, yeah it, it was good. Okay. It, it definitely didn't deliver everything that I wanted out of it, but I liked the idea. Um, Great title. Uh, no, I'm sorry. What? Great title, though. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that brings you in alone. Um, no exit <laughs> was another one that wasn't brought up. Yeah, I like no exit. That was pretty fun. Uh, Virus Thirty Two was another one that was. That was not brought up. Um, Hellraiser, obviously. Um, a couple of my dishonorable mentions would probably be So Vam. That was, uh, even though I, I give them credit for being their first film that they done, and they were very young. They were, you know, adolescents at the time. Um, just incoherent nonsense. Um, what was this called? It was called So Vam. It's about a oh, okay. um, a gay vampire. Um, oh, I know what movie you're talking about. LGBTQ, okay, yeah. um, and I really—it's so hard to give. It was so hard to give it the score I did because I was so excited for a, such a young filmmaker to put themselves out there. But unfortunately, they needed guidance. Okay, they needed someone to say, "Okay, that's not exactly what needs to be done here. What needs to be done here is a little bit more thought and process put into it." And I th- honestly think that they could have came out with a very good piece if they would have taken more time and just asked for some guidance, honestly. Um, however, on the flip side of that VHS 99 is terrible for the fact that they thought that that was a good movie and they put it out anyway. Um, uh, same thing with allegoria. I liked one of those segments in VHS 99 and it was ironically, it was the segment that the dead stream people did. <laughs> I was, I was about, I almost said that I was, was it the one that I'm thinking of? And it is. So yeah, the very last one where it's like an exorcism that goes all kinds of wrong. Yep. Yeah. Which is fun, right? Cause like, yeah. he ends up in hell and just like, like what the hell is happening? Anyway. Um, the other one was allegoria, which I really wanted to like because it was done by spider one. Who's Rob zombies, little brother. And, yeah. um, yeah, you guys may not know, but I have an absolute love of Rob Zombie. I'm getting Captain Spaulding tattooed on my arm on on Saturday. All right, uh, cannot wait. Uh, so it's just, uh, I gave it a four out of ten. Like it was just not good. The last segment of the anthology was really, really strong, and I really wish they would have stretched that out into a feature film, but unfortunately, they didn't. Um, and then two other films I wanted to mention that were not mentioned, and it's honestly just because I, I, they're obviously part of our group, and that is Fountain and The Vengeful None Who Wouldn't Die. <laughs> I was going to mention it too. <laughs> and also The Electric Man. I wanted to mention both of those. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to mention um, Amber Road. Oh, Amber Road, yes. Brian, it's, it's a yeah. good film. It's a really good film. Uh, Tom Sizemore is actually in The Electric Man as well, so... Yeah, Jed Rowan plays a great bowler in that film. <laughs> it's, it's a good film, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I really enjoyed it. I gave it a seven out of ten. I say, Brian, we're not blowing smoke up yet. It's it's a good. They're both really good films. Yeah, The Electric Man's a much more uh, sci-fi too. So if you're yeah. into sci-fi, it's like. A, it's, I was going to say the the one film nobody brought up that I was curious was Glorious. 
Oh yeah, I, I yeah, liked I like it. Glorious. Yeah, you know that one just missed my list, but it, it's a good film as well. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, Nathan. Is there anything that you wanted to bring up that hadn't been? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, in terms of. So Mad God was one I was going to mention because it, it was like the legitimate honorable mention in the terms of not so much that it fell just outside the list, but just didn't really know what to do with it. It fascinating to look at and to experience to a point. And I love stop motion. I love Phil Tippett. So I, it is an achievement and I think it's absolutely worth seeing, but it's hard to know what to do with it because I don't think it necessarily coheres together. Um, other movies that that, that uh, I thought were really good that didn't land on the list. Uh, that uh, I'll leave off ones that everyone else has mentioned. Um, but Resurrection, I thought, was really good. Um, that had Rebecca Hall, who I thought was fantastic last year in uh, The Night House, was really good again in Resurrection, which also had uh, Tim Roth in a really, really creepy performance. I mean, that's, you know... <laughs> that's probably uh, redundant to say that Tim Roth is giving a creepy performance, but uh, he's really good in it and he's really understated in the film. If you guys haven't seen Resurrection, it's a you talk about the unreliable narrator aspect, Victor. Um, that is, this movie has that in spades. So if you get a chance, see Resurrection. Torn Hearts. I I really like this. It's almost it very much has an if like the Country Music Channel. <laughs> And Hallmark formed together, made a horror film. Katie Siegel plays a sort of, uh, it's almost like the uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane of like, mm. but imagine it's a kind of like gone to seed country western singer. She's played by uh, Katie Siegel, who's really good in the film, and it kind of becomes this super vampy performance in the middle of this uh, really kind of campy uh, horror film that does seem like something you would. You, you might see play on not the Hallmark Channel, but on like a uh, Lifetime. So it's the Lifetime Channel and Country Music Channel had a baby. It would, there was a horror, happened to be a horror film. It would still, be Torn Hearts. But I still find can, Katie Siegel pretty hot. FYI. She's pretty awesome in this movie. I mean, she makes this movie. She is chewing the scenery like nobody's business. Check a trailer out. You'll see what I mean. Uh, it's a, it might not sound like your cup of tea, but it's fun. It definitely kind of uh, lampoons a lot of things. It's a little bit satirical. Um, anything else? There were, um, I really liked the movie Master that was, uh, from, from last year as well. I saw that at the film festival. Um, mm. Soft and Quiet was a very interesting movie. I liked Satan Slaves Part 2, uh, that was a sequel to the film from a few years ago that made my list. This one didn't, but it is strong as well. Um, a very weird movie. I didn't get quietly, completely gel with me, but Nocebo, uh, with Eva Green, who kind of goes over the top in that film? That's a that's a weird movie. I, I, I think like it's that a, film. I really like that. Yeah, they, Bill, you were the one that turned me on to that one. Um, but the one I wanted to talk about is kind of a, if I had one spot for an honorable mention. It's something I saw really just a week ago, and I started watching it. I didn't even know it was a movie, and that's Adult Swim's Yule Log. <laughs> that one of the weirdest hour and a halfs I've spent. And they 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 mash so many tropes in, so many weird ideas. The strange, surreal stuff that everyone here knows I like was in here, but then goofy one-off genre references were in there, and uh, just very bizarre. You talk about strange fetishes, is uh, pimento cheese. <laughs> that's all I'll say. You, if anyone hasn't seen this, you as a horror fan, you owe you owe it to yourself to see 
Adult Swim's Yule Log. Right now it's on HBO Max. I turned this thing on. I don't know anyone could do that now uh, without knowing about it, but I turned it on thinking it was just a legitimate Yule Log. Like, sitting there, fires crackling, Christmas music playing. I knew it was Adult Swim, so I expected one weird thing or two, but I didn't expect it to last for 90 minutes and go the places that this goes, or that there would be an actual Yule Log vision cam at some point in the film. Right. And yeah, you turned me on to this, Nathan. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, it is a Yule Log video for the first like two minutes. And then stuff starts happening in front of the Yule Log, um, which I, that's uh, immediately made me go, oh, this is (laughs) made by smart people. Um, I gotta be honest. I'm a little upset that I didn't get a text message here. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's worth seeing. Um, I, I really liked it. Yeah, there was a, a chance that I would eat pimento cheese, and then I saw this movie. So <laughs> no, it's not a chance now anymore. No chance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth seeing. I mean, it, honestly, I thought about whether it would go on the list or not, but it's not quite. It's not that kind of thing. It's just, it's. It, I, I give them full credit for allowing this thing to be made and then they put it out there without telling warner brothers what they even had which <laughs> yeah. is probably the the right way to do it but this is how you get this is how you move the genre into new exciting places it's with stuff like this and i don't know how victor feels but i would if this the director of this yule log if he came out with a feature length but well, this is a feature length if he came out with a theatrical movie tomorrow i would definitely buy tickets and go see it yes i agree i just no matter what it was, I would just go see it. They, they should, uh, like HBO, Warner's, Discovery, blah, 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 whatever, uh, should give him yeah. a, a, a decent budget and tell him to go pick a script and make it. Yeah, because there, is, there are scenes of, like, surrealistic genius in this movie. I'm not saying everything in it is genius, but there are moments when you are surprised, at least I was, by the level of intelligence really truly and creativity that found their way into this they buy their time with a lot of other stuff but there's some stuff there's the moment i say when the when we see the vision uh, when the camera switches and you're looking instead of looking into the yule log you're looking out of the yule log and it and you start to realize you're looking through the perspective of the yule log that's when the movie just goes way off the rails i've never been more aroused (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> hey just wait till you get to the pimento cheese my friend <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, it's so soft isn't it so, so savory bill i think it may be actual dialogue bill <laughs> <laughs> i really I, this is one of those things if i could just turn it on and have all of our cameras on so i could see everybody's faces <laughs> This is one of those things. I turned actually Christmas night. We had a bunch of friends over, and like I knew my wife. My wife actually liked it. We all sat down to watch it together, and I was like, "Okay, this is how you're going to close Christmas out watching the Adult Swim Yule Log." Well, I yeah, maybe it's too early for this, but I'd like to make a pitch for a Phantom Galaxy episode where we just talk about erotic horror films and same group, you know, and see what happens. <laughs> I thought I. Victor- <laughs> In my head, I Who thought... Who gets divorced? <laughs> I thought you were going to go, and on Phantom Galaxy, our episodes are about movies about cheese. I thought they, <laughs> is there a crossover between erotic horror and cheese? We do not. When we produce the episode. 
That's true. <laughs> we'll find That's... out. <laughs> I'm okay. Was, I'm, I'm going to regret this, but let's do it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Erotic cheese it's films. Cool. Anybody no, no, Bill's movie. already distorting it. We're not calling it erotic cheese films. Because <laughs> you're going to pick every one of them off of Tubi, gonna and it's going to be like Wilbur the Killer Dildo or something. <laughs> <laughs> and Fond- fondue and you. Yeah, fondue. Fond- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the only other film I had on my um, list that were uh, a seven or above that I never mentioned was German film called The Privilege. Did you guys uh, watch that one? I don't think I've seen that. A wealthy teen and his friends attending an elite private school uncover a dark conspiracy while looking into a series of strange supernatural events. So funny enough, that was one I I had it queued up multiple times, and it kind of reminded me. uh, Do you remember, was it called The Skulls back in the early? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It reminded me of that, and I really wanted to watch it because of that reason, because if I remember right, it had, um, what's his face? Uh, Josh something, Joshua Jackson in it um, back in the early 2000s. And I was like, oh, I really like that movie. Maybe I should watch this one too because it sounded like that. Um, and same thing with The Innocents. I, I wanted to watch The Innocents because it sounded like another movie from back in the early 2000s that I missed as well, but I did not see either one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah the, the Privilege is it, it's exactly that. Kind of a light teenage, teenage college kind of deal. But, uh, it, it, you know, a lot of those are fluff. And I wouldn't say this one isn't fluff, but it, it had a bit more to it than a lot of them do. Hmm. So that was about it. This was also the first um, cast out of uh, at least us five that did not mention Terrifier 2 at all. Oh, yeah. Terrifier 2. Yeah, I'm shocked nobody mentioned it. Yeah, I rented it. It's it's not bad. Like, I'm usually, I'm not a big fan of slashers in general, but... Um, uh, Pretty good. I mean, f- considering the budget they had, I think it's uh, it's it's great. It's a great execution, so to yeah, speak. I, I love Flashers, <laughs> for one, but um, I will say it was a monumental ex- um, success. However, the story was all over the place. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I I'll love, agree with yeah. that, Greg. I was going to say, I, I loved it. I loved the uh, the blood and the gore and the, the, the new female character that's in the film. I, I liked the addition of that. Hmm. Now, the last film I'll mention is one that I know Nathan loves. Well, I will just throw out real quick because okay. I'm, yeah. again, the guy that would hate Terrifier, yep. too. And I didn't love it, but like Victor, I, they, I hated the first movie, honestly. I did not like the first movie because it was just the same thing ad nauseum. Not that it wasn't here, but they did create the feel of the 80s horror film mm-hmm. much better in this one. And that lead um, actress and what they kind of did with her gave it some momentum and some interest. And there was some of the way they staged some, not the kills went on for way too long. I thought for sure. Um, but there was a couple scenes, like there was a dream sequence that got kind of weird in ways that I liked that. It, it had some cool stuff in it. Weird in a fun way. Like, weird yeah, weird in a fun way. I don't intriguing. like intriguing, right? Like, okay, this isn't just like jump out, stab someone 50 times, you know, that happens later, but you know, that that dream sequence was like you could see the filmmaking improving from one film to the next. And then honestly, some of the parts that I really enjoyed was Art being a clown and not yeah, being like, a killer. Like being when he's sitting there naked on that bench in <laughs> yeah. the beginning with the like that's weird. It's but it's weird and it's hilarious in a fun way. Yeah. Or when he puts the glasses on, like he's being yeah. a clown. But what I liked about the scene there is it's weird, you know, and he's playing, you know, a patty cake with an invisible whatever. But at the the last part of the scene is you see a guy with uh, the the um, 
handle of a broomstick through his skull. So you, so you're yeah. brought back to what the film is. Right. You know, I was going to say the one film I know that Nathan loves that I, I wanted to bring up is Speak No Evil. <laughs> so that didn't work for me, but I do think if you're a horror fan, you're probably going to want to see that movie. <laughs> Did anybody here see Speak No Evil? No. Yeah. yeah. I gave it a 7.5. It, it's... Yeah, it left a little bit to be desired for me. It, it was one that frustrated me. I feel that it sort of—I don't want to—I don't want to be negative about it because I know that other people liked it. For me, it was working really well in the beginning when it was dealing with with the sort of social awkwardness. But I had there's a point when I lost the ability to believe the characters would do what they did. One hundred percent on board with what you just said. Yeah, I, I, and that totally dive bombed that movie for me. I, I didn't like how they just acquiesced to what was going to happen right at the end. Yeah, they were just like, "Oh, okay, this is what's happening." Sure. Yeah, exactly. But they were quirky characters. But I mean, I wouldn't say I was a big fan of the. I think I gave it three stars, maybe. But um, but it was one of. Those, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Nathan, do you think there's anything else we need to say? I don't think so. We've said three hours, three and a half hours of it. So, <laughs> okay, uh, but hey, with five hosts, yeah. okay, and fi- and a top ten list, we did pretty good, guys. And and, and Nathan's going to edit this down to an hour forty-five. So don't no, worry. no, that Nathan's going to do very minimal editing because we don't need much editing. Um, I'll cut say the bye spaces to out. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to cut this down to four hosts. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll no, be about, man. it'll be about nothing but uh, eroticism. <laughs> The only thing yeah, the, the episode will start with Victor saying, hey guys, how about we do an episode about erotic <laughs> movies? And it'll just be all of our little bits where we talk about that and nothing else. I'd and, listen. Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, we will we have to get back and do that. Because I remember, I think it was Real Talk or something, did an episode of like 90s erotica cinema. And I was just like, man, how many Shannon Tweed movies could I mention? <laughs> if I had been on that episode? Yeah, like, could you imagine covering like Body Double and stuff? Oh, God, that'd be so good. Yeah, it's man. Yeah, yeah like that would be that would be movie homework. I'd be cool with. Yeah, exactly. It's for work. <laughs> is, 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 is it my excuse to watch Embrace of the Vampire again? Oh, oh yeah. Wait, is that the uh, yeah. Alyssa Milano? Oh, Alyssa Milano. That is oh. the Alyssa Milano one. Oh, close the door. Close the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's every time. Oh, that's wow. Every time so I'm funny. down on the the other night, I was watching a Giallo on the on the big screen TV downstairs, and Jen walks down. She goes. Oh my God! I walk in. There's just some woman being ravaged on a bed. But the but the killing is coming. The killing is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you really uh, you know assuage your fears by screaming, "The killing is coming!" I'm sure that really worked. <laughs> so we covered Bill's Bill's equating two things together. It's like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Well, we covered um, 1990s uh, it miniseries last night, and I said, you know, there's a connection to this movie to uh, from this movie to 1994 or 1974. Or Black Christmas. Does anyone know what it is? And they all just kind of looked at me like puzzled, which is typical of my coast because I'm actually casting tonight with real, you know, hosts. And, uh, <laughs> so you guys may actually know the connection between 1990s It miniseries and 1974's Black Christmas. Do you? I don't. Olivia Hussey is Audra, Bill's wife. In yes, she the is. miniseries, who is one of my huge crushes. I forgot yeah. that Olivia Hussey was in the. It's, it's. I actually watched it with the kids this summer, and I just forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. the uh, Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you have to ask me that. Like, yeah. <laughs> after, after all I've told you guys tonight, you think I've missed Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> You're welcome, Nathan. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, see, guys, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for for joining. I loved hearing all the lists. Uh, anyone who's listening, if you want to uh, drop your list, we'll put a place on the um, out on the group, and uh, everyone can let us know what you uh, liked this year, what you didn't like, what you think of the list that we have. This will be going up before the new year, so woohoo! Finally did it. Yeah. And, uh, and if for some reason I don't, it's getting cut. So you won't hear that part. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's go ahead. Greg Bench, you want to let everybody know uh, where they can find you? Any last thoughts you have about the horror of 2022? Uh, as for last thoughts, no, I'm, I'm, no, there's really, no, it, it, it was a good year. I think we covered all that in the beginning of how dynamic it was and that, uh, it covered every base. There's at least one movie from every subgenre that you would need. Um, outside of that, I mean, if you the, these guys all know me, uh, they'll probably link me. But I'm always cruising around on Facebook within the groups. Obviously, the name's Brick Bench. And uh, if not, you can always tune into LOTC where I'll call multiple times to Raz Bill and, and uh, keep him on his toes. Otherwise, you can always find me over at the old Twitter, too, with the QUA419, and I'm always willing to chat any kind of a movie, but, yeah, horror seems to be a favorite. So, uh, outside of that, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> it, it was, Greg, a, it was a great to... time. It was a fun time. Um, I'm glad that uh, I've been uh, honored to be here three times to cover the uh, best of, and uh, hopefully next year we'll be able to do the same. So keep this tradition alive. And we'll have you back before then, Greg. Oh, We're looking forward to have you in, in the new year, and not just for erotic horror movies, but keep <gasps> Victor. Uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. Oh yes, I'm on uh, at Dime Store Caesar <laughs> on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and, um, yeah, you can find links to, uh, you know, I'm a writer. I, I write, uh, I write horror, noir and erotica. Um, and, um, links to all that stuff you can find on my, I don't think I've read your erotica oh, yet. Well, it's very hardcore, but I'm saving, <laughs> I'm saving some, some production stories for the erotic horror episode for the, for the erotica okay. episode. Is it weird that I'm both frightened and aroused? Yeah. Well, uh, well, I guess I could tell you real quick, um, it, it was a case where I delivered a story to my editor and she said, great story. Can't we have more sex in it? And I was like, really? Um, but I was like, okay. And I only had a few hours to do it. So uh, I had my computer being worked on at the Apple store. And, you know, if you've ever been to those places, they're open. Like you just sit in a bench. Yeah. And so I'm writing like the most intense sex I can think of in pure view of everyone, you know, and I'm just, you know, turning beet red. Like it was probably the single most embarrassing experience of my life, but um, I don't have a copy of the book, but it did get published. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link to, I'll, I'll link to it. Um, if anybody, what was the title of the book? Uh, well, the, the, it got uh, published in a magazine called Infernal Inc. And, um, Oh, okay. It is a triple X erotica, uh, horror story. Um, so it's not for the squeamish, but I'll, I'll link to it. And then, you, you know, if you, if you're Victor, interested. Victor, don't be bashful. It was in swank. 
wasn't it? <laughs> I have to work my way up. Cavalier. Cavalier. Yeah. Dear Penthouse Forum. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm also on Facebook. Um, and I think what I really wanted to do was I wanted to plug my client's work, which is uh, uh, I had a, a client that scored um, the Netflix series Dragon Age Absolution, which is fantasy. Oh, oh very nice. cool. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great. It's out. It's um, it's based on the, the hit video game franchise. And um, I think there'll be a season two coming, but it's um, it's like a eight, eight or nine episode mini mini. Well, it's a season, I guess. Uh, and it's animated. So check and, it out. And, on Netflix. and who knew Dave Becker was so talented? <laughs> that's great man i actually enjoyed the dragon age games they were very good so. yeah. oh cool yeah so <laughs> greg bazelli let everybody know where you, they can find you tell them a little bit about your podcast well i am uh like you've heard many times tonight i am greg bazelli and i am the host of monsters and the mosh pit where we cover one horror movie and one heavy metal album that my co-host dave farrell has never heard and seen um this is a unique scenario where he is 36 years old and apparently lived in a bubble his entire life and never experienced the, such joys as watching The Exorcist for the first time or listening to Ride the Lightning from Metallica. <laughs> so <clears throat> you hear me cuss at him a lot because he says a lot of stupid stuff. And that's okay because... While I am very welcoming to his antics, I also am very honest in the fact that he's stupid. So, I also make a specialty drink for every show that you can find on my TikTok, uh, which is Monsters and the Mosh Pit, on Twitter, Monsters and Mosh Pit, I think, podcast or something. All of our stuff is the same, and it's usually Monsters and the Mosh Pit, including our Facebook group page, um, the podcast, and so on and so forth. I'm terrible at the actual social media aspect of it. However, I do try. So give me an A for effort for trying, because I'm 40 years old, <laughs> I have a 5-year-old son, a wife, a full-time job, a podcast, and I still try to make content for you. So... Join us over there. Yay. Uh, but but, but honestly, the real thing I really want to say, though, is thank you for having me on. Um, My podcast obviously doesn't do a top 10 because Dave couldn't make a list because he's seen 10 movies that are horror over the past, you know, genre. So 100 years of horror. So it wouldn't be very good. And then, uh, you know, the fact that you guys invited me on, Vicious Victor, Greg Bench, who's an actual verb on LOTC. <laughs> also That's an adjective. Well, yeah, <laughs> adjective verb. I'm terrible at grammar. Come on, I can barely speak English. So, but yes, I thank you guys for having me on. Please come over and stop by on the Monsters in the Mosh Pit. You guys are encouraged to come on. Greg Bench, Vicious Victor, Nathan's already been on for the Nope episode, which you guys should listen to. Yeah. Bill's been on. We covered Rush uh, and um, Theater, Theater of, of Pain, which I had never Theater of, uh, yeah, Theater of Blood, sorry, which I had never seen, which is probably one of my favorite Vincent Price performances of all time, and I had mm-hmm. never seen that before. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, pick up an album, pick up movie, come on, join us. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll have a drink. I, yep. I want to do. Uh, I want to do gore. I just watched the documentary. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, oh, I yeah. wanted to mention that the oh, only ten yeah. out of ten that I had for this year was the gore documentary. This is gore. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so you guys know there's something that they make fun of in that movie, <laughs> where they got a song into a video game. I did that deal. Yeah. 
Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I, I represented Gore in the early 90s, and I did that deal for them. And how was it dealing with Dave Brocky? Great. Um, he is, well, was, he was super, super wired. He's probably the most enthusiastic person I ever talked to on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe it. I am so jealous that you got to speak with Dave Brocky. I'm not going to lie. Like, he like was great. my heart just jumped and did cartwheels for you. <laughs> and I'm not even the one that spoke with him. Like, wow. That's like, I'm like getting secondhand starstruck at the moment. <laughs> Talk to Victor. That happens a lot. Hey, Victor's talked to a lot of people. I've had my moments. Yeah, my first career. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I love that documentary too. It was really fun. Might just show up in about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, there's a good, there are some great musical documentaries. Anyone still making because um, yeah. the Dio one is awesome. Yeah. So is Moon Age Daydream, the yeah. the David Bowie one. Yeah, yeah the Dio one is on my list to watch. Hopefully this weekend. Yeah, but it's now great. I have to watch. It's, it, it, all it's well. really good. You're gonna yeah. as a rock and roller, you're gonna love it. You're yeah. Love it. All right. All right. Well, that is uh, that's our. Top Horror of 2022. You can always find us at Phantom Galaxy at uh, phantomgalaxypodbean.com and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, and uh, preferably a five-star review. And please share the, the episode around. And we will have coming up uh, at the start of January, we will have our top movies, our top ten of the everything that's not horror, uh, other genre films coming up very soon. We do that every year, so that'll be our, our top ten, and uh, we uh, we look forward to it. And we will talk to you later. This is the Phantom Galaxy signing out. If you've been enjoying the music here on Phantom Galaxy, the opening theme and the closing theme are both brought to you by synth pop artist Aries Beats. He's done a lot of really cool stuff in the world of synth pop. A lot of very interesting genre-based retro themes. You can find more of his work over at ariesbeats.bandcamp.com. And until next time, we are the Phantom Galaxy. Mm-hmm.